the Big Ten will finish with four teams within the top 15 of the final college football playoff poll. Play the fight song. And here we go. I had to lead with that since we were already using it. Welcome into the Play the Fight Song podcast. We are doing the Big Ten today. This has been uh, a little bit of a change. We're doing it a little bit earlier in the day, a little earlier in the morning. Not too late, though. It's probably noon out by Reese. It's about 10, 30, 11 here in the Midwest where, you know, God's country lies. Let's talk about the Big Ten. But I have a question for you guys, first of all. I was watching like uh, the college game day intro videos, and you know how they always have the song that goes with it, like kind of the theme song of the show. Is last yep. year's version the worst version they've ever put out? It's awful. I feel like it's gone. It's getting worse. It's been kind of the same for like the last couple of years. It has like the same bass, but they add in weird stuff. Outside of the show itself, Fox has been dominating ESPN in like actual presentation of things. Outside of college game day itself. Fox has been dominating think, that space. I like the personalities that Game Day has, but I, would, I, would like, I don't know. Some of it's like I, the song sucks. That's all. I, I think the song's bad. I kind of like the Saturday night broadcast of of Herb Street and Fowler. I, I you're taking it. Saturday night. You're taking Saturday night football over Big Noon Kickoff. Yeah, because Big Noon Kickoff is the goat. I guess that's, that's a hot take and that's homerism. Yeah, I don't, no, but, it's not. But you'll have Big Ten teams on ESPN late at night in the right situation. Yeah, that's true, but we just did an argument from that video. Everybody chose Gus Johnson. It's big new kickoff, baby. It's the GOAT. You got barbecue back there? You didn't I like – okay, so I like Johnson, but did, am I the only one who finds him to be over the top sometimes? I mean, dude, you are Absolutely not. He does his job right. He's not – I mean, you I think about it. He's got passion. plenty – so many good one-liners, he overshadows every poor one he's ever done. He's pretty good, but he leaves a lot of spaces in between for like crowd noise, which is good. Joe Tessitore is the king of overreaction. Oh, good oh, overreaction. He's we yeah, watching. He's, uh, I was watching the other night the kick serves six, a two yard run, and uh, of Auburn, Alabama. I think that's the one I was watching. And Nestler like gave like the perfect. It's underappreciated when the announcers like a big play happens at the last last second and the crowd's going crazy. Like good, great announcers like let the broadcast like breathe they don't like try to talk about it in the moment or like be bigger than themselves like he let it go for like a good minute just like they had the pan over of the the whole stadium and the fans going nuts it's like that's underrated in a good broadcaster good point i think agreed yeah and college football is definitely necessary in the nfl atmosphere atmosphere you know it's all the same anywhere you go but let's jump into some recent ncaa news i know everybody is uh what actually before we do that what's everybody got in their hand i've seen a coffees of like some twix formality it looks like schaefer went down to the lobby in his apartment reese got a water man and a water and then i got a seltzer because i'm a man i'm for i'm supporting the, i'm supporting the new bowl game scooters coffee bowl 2023 it exists is that an actual thing yeah it was well 
offline, there was a competitor, the one that I worked oh. for that was supposed to get the bowl game is going to be an Omaha company. Uh, but Scooter's Coffee, a Scooter Coffee Bowl 2023, it exists. Look it up. That's Look it also up. an Omaha company, correct? Yep. Yep. That's what I thought. What do you got? Just like a regular old black coffee there, Shafe? You may like put yeah, some hair in Yeah, I got my cup. own coffee maker. Um, a lot and you bought the cups too? Black coffee and, and I threw a scoop of creatine in there today. That's wild. The creatine's wild. What are we doing? It's, you know, it's God's day. I'm going to get my workout in, so I'm not, I got to get my creatine in today. If you're not taking it's a smart guy, dude, what he's doing? If you don't care about guy. your health. Reese, um, please uh, comment on the creatine inside the coffee. It's, uh, flavorless. It, it, it's flavorless. You don't, yeah, there's don't no flavor it. to it. Thank you. Okay. Well, we're going to have to take a break mid-episode so Schaefer can take a shit. <laughs> exactly. That might happen. Pause. Let the kid go. It's going to be 30 minutes. That, that here's black coffee. You got, you got two just poop creators in a cup. Come on. <laughs> well, let's jump into the recent NCAA news. We have a couple of things we want to cover. Obviously, we did a lot of the realignment talk last week in the Big 12 interview. If you haven't listened to that, go back and jump into that. Recent NCAA news, Devontae Walker, you talked about him at North Carolina, transfer from North Carolina Central to Kent State, now to UNC, had his transfer waiver denied by the NCAA. North Carolina is currently petitioning and sending things into the NCAA to make sure that he gets to play this year. But the new rule for the NCAA is your second time transfers have to get a waiver cleared, um, and they didn't see a reason. I'm going to assume for him to transfer the second time, and there's different things you can go into it. and currently, that's where we sit. I believe there's a couple other people around the country that are waiting on waivers to come through as well. But that's the first big one we've heard of it being denied. Um, along with that, Jim Harbaugh's um, supposed suspension, I assume, from the NCAA for four games is actually gone. That is waived, not happening anymore. So Harbaugh will coach all 12 of Michigan's football games. Do you guys have any comments on the, the four-game suspension that was and now is not? Like, is there anything that... Do you think that maybe someone didn't see or just like, what does that mean? Like, why didn't he get the four games? I think both ways it was just unnecessary. Like, I didn't think it was worth a four-game suspension in the first place. Um, But at the same time, I thought it was also a joke of a suspension because if you looked at the first four games of the schedule, I think I could go out there and coach Michigan (laughs) to four wins. I don't don't think that would be a very – I've seen you play in NCAA football years. No way you call a correct play in a real setting. (laughs) <laughs> no way, J- don't give him that credit, JP. Don't discredit him like that. I'm I mean, hand off right to Blake Corum. We're playing we're Sister Mary of the Blind. We're going dive right. We're going toss left. We'll be just fine. I think we're we'll yep. able to beat East. There's Carolina. no controllers to throw. You're gonna have to find a clipboard to snap in half. Four <laughs> verts, scramble right, B's open. Yeah, RB I've run smash. that play a thousand times. Angle, RB angle smash. <laughs> Are being smashed. Yeah, that's. Uh, I think basically what this came down to with the NCAA is that they couldn't find. It was basically he said, she said type of thing. And Harbaugh said that this didn't happen. He didn't deny, deny, deny. And the NCAA couldn't completely prove it. Um, and so trying to save themselves, as the NCAA has tried to do in recent years with letting NIL go through and the transfer portal and all that stuff, they had to just back off because there's already you know, a metaphorical gun to these guys' head with people not wanting them to even be a part of the college football landscape anymore. So that's the recent NCAA news. Before we jump into revisiting 2020, let's plug our socials and everything. So we have TikTok, we've got Instagram, Twitter, um, Facebook, and now we've also added YouTube to the mix. We're doing some YouTube shorts and some other things like that. I'm sure as time goes on, we'll find ways to put some other videos and clips up onto the YouTube, but we're just launching that right now. I believe that is uh, Play the Fight Pod is the at, but it's just Play the Fight Song Podcast. 
on YouTube. Please give that a look. Also, please drop us a five-star rating or give us a review on all platforms. It really helps us out grow the show and helps other people get exposed to it. So uh, definitely helps both sides of us out. And thank you for listening to all of these. Um, let's jump into 2022. Michigan wins their second straight Big Ten title. Ohio State a field goal away from the national title, though. Michigan did beat Ohio State again in a game in Columbus that got out of hand in the late in the fourth quarter. If you remember right, Ohio State was playing really well in the first half. Second half came around, and it was kind of um, curtains at that point. Donovan Edwards popped off in the run game. And you also look at 2022, Michigan State takes a huge step back. Penn State's really good, but can't get over their Michigan and Ohio State hump. The West was disgustingly bad. And Purdue, of all people, represents the West in Indianapolis. Iowa can't close the door against Nebraska in the last week. Illinois drops a bad one to Michigan State. And just a whole bunch of stuff going on. If you guys have any thoughts on 2022 in the Big Ten, what did you see? Like, what did you think of the whole thing? I mean, the conference got two teams into the playoff. And, you know, arguably had a third really, really talented team in Penn State, but just a poor West division in a weird year where Wisconsin wasn't very good. What did you guys see in that whole year? I think you nailed it, right? I mean, we're talking about two teams getting in the college football playoff out of four years. 50% of that college football playoff was from the Big Ten. That's always successful. But you did have, and you already mentioned, that sleeper 10-win team that's looking to take that next step. And you handcuff yourself with being having division play and not letting the best teams all get their best opportunity to give it, get a chance. Um, so that'll be interesting as the, as the landscape changes, but very good year for the Big Ten. They just kind of beat up on each other in the lower half to make it very one division heavy again. Yeah. And I would argue Illinois was definitely the best team in the West last year, but yes, just tried to shoot themselves in the foot in worst possible ways and bad, a bad loss to Indiana. If you guys all remember, Indiana was a three-point favorite at home against Illinois, and I believe their first or second Big Ten game of the year. And we were like, why in the world are the Hoosiers favored against Illinois? Well, Indiana wins that game by three. That was we one pushed. of the worst bets of all time. Just, it, like, we, Vegas like was begging you to take Illinois. So we did, and we learned. Half, yeah. I got plus three and a half, though. That was ridiculous. Yeah, that was BS. That actually pissed <laughs> me off. And then he told us that afterwards. Not during, not before. After he goes, oh, I had three and a half. You told me to take it earlier in the week. I took it earlier in the week when it was plus three and a half. Ugh, disgusting. And then they lose a bad game to Michigan State, and they lose their chance to head to Indianapolis. It was a weird year in the Big Ten, I'll tell you that. Um, I think this year is primed to be very exciting, and especially in the Eastern Division. And then the West Division, It's you have a lot of staples in the coaching world and programs that are making big changes, huge changes, and completely changing the direction that they've gone on in recent memory. Let's jump into those new changes. New coaches within the Big Ten. Northwestern. Uh, Fitzgerald no longer there. Uh, we had already talked about this when it originally came out. They do grab their interim def- interim coach and defensive coordinator, David Braun. He's going to take over the program for now. I assume he's going to go a full year, maybe get the full job, or at least a shot at the full job after this 2023 season. But that's a new hire there. Wisconsin fires Paul Christ in kind of a surprising move or a lot earlier than people thought they go with Luke Fickle which has been dubbed one of the best hires of the college football offseason um, no matter the conference you're in that is a guy who probably denied x amount of jobs no like a ton of jobs throughout the years and thought he was waiting for Ohio State never got the opportunity ends up at Wisconsin Purdue Jeff Brom heads to Louisville after Satterfield leaves for Cincinnati they hire Ryan Walters I think also a really good hire they go grab a defensive coordinated guy who really helped that Illinois team go from one of the worst defenses in the country to the best in the Big Ten a season ago. 
Nebraska, Scott Frost fired within the first couple weeks of the season. They bring in Matt Rule, who was originally at Carolina in the NFL. He comes in and fixes or plans to fix that program. Where do you guys see this? Where do you see these hires going? You can pick out any of them. I think the Fitzgerald one's kind of done and over with. We don't have to touch on that one. But out of Fickle, Walters, Rule, any thoughts on these hires? Because they're three, I would say, Nobody's going to look at these hires and say, no, that's that, that's not where you should have gone with this. Honestly, the best hire out of all of them is going to be Fickle, like you already mentioned. Um, that's a guy that I think everybody in the world thought was going to wait for that Ohio State job. It wasn't leaning towards any bit of Ryan Day leaving, but this guy can coach, man. You want to talk about a guy who gets the most out of the program that he's at? This dude took Cincinnati to the playoff from the American Conference and competed. So I, I can only imagine what he's going to do with a talented roster with power five um, facilities and abilities for recruiting an NIL. So I think mm-hmm. Wisconsin's going to be back on top of the West here pretty quickly. You bet. And his, his plan is to go into Ohio and start stealing kids from Ohio state and keeping that Chicago pipeline that Wisconsin's had. Um, so I do think that's a really good hire for them. Any thoughts on the other two Schaefer uh, Reese, yeah, I think just thoughts. I, you got to think. I think they're all interesting hires in their own aspect. I mean, Luke Fickle's a guy, like you said, um, was highly coveted throughout the entire country of a lot of big-time jobs. So for him to take the Wisconsin job kind of, I think, caught a lot of people off guard. You got Matt Rule, who's coming back into the college realm, um, was very successful at his first two stops before entering the NFL. So can he revitalize his career in Lincoln? And then uh, then the last one, you got Ryan Walters, who first-year experience, uh, but I think it is a good hire. You know, he he's a young guy that is on the up and coming, and I think his scheme, defensively especially, uh, could translate well at Purdue and could be what Purdue really needs. So, three different coaches, kind of three different aspects of hires, but I think they were all good fills for what they needed. You bet, Reese. Anything on these coaching hires? Just, I think the fickle and roll, obviously, are your most exciting ones. I think they fit well with where they're trying to be at and what they're trying to do with their programs long term. I think Fickle, obviously, year one has more prepared for what he can do this year. They're projected to win the West, all that confidence and everything going in for them. But Nebraska with Rule long term, I think, is exactly what they were looking for. They're hope they're what they thought Scott was going to be. Hopefully, it's going to be this guy now. Um, has shown that he can do this for college programs um, with Temple and both with Baylor. So he's a guy who can do it. It's just making sure he actually gets recruits in, gets the schemes that he wants. He's got new. He's got a new DC. Um, I don't. I believe new offensive too, right, Parksy? Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So like he's bringing in his own, he's bringing in new guys that are going to fit his scheme and what he wants. So long-term, I think he's a good fit for them, but Fickle is just going to be so interesting because it's going to change Wisconsin's identity. They brought in Phil Longo from North Carolina. Like it's just yeah. a completely different Wisconsin team that we're going to be seeing. And I think it's interesting to look at, you know, saying that maybe Fickle shows up as the better hire quicker. I just think that's because he's not dealing with as bare of a cupboard, right? Like he's going to Wisconsin where not a lot of people left among the firing. And they already had some things established, whereas Nebraska is kind of resetting and retrying to find an identity that maybe they thought Frotz was building. And then they found out after the firing that he had not built uh, to the level he said he had. So maybe like in three years, you look at these hires a little bit different, but it's hard to you can't tell a guy, you know, after one year, he's not the guy. You know what I mean? Like even if he goes six and six or four and eight or whatnot, it's hard to do that. And now we are in an era where three years after three years or two and a half, even people are, you know, going for heads. And I don't think that's necessarily super fair. Can you flip a roster in a year? Yeah. Don't mean it's going to be good. We just looked at 
Michigan State was the first example of a big roster overturn that worked out. USC. Now we're going to look at Colorado, the biggest one ever. There's no promises that's really going to work out. Michigan State did it again the next year. That didn't work out. Like, we'll see. And maybe that's not what Rule wants to do. He probably brought in the guys he wanted and didn't want to, you know, completely overhaul the whole thing and bring in 40 new guys. Like, that's not everybody's way of going about things. They want to build from the bottom. Um, Fickle, did, like, brought in guys that he wanted, him and Longo wanted. But I don't think they dove in so much to try to change the culture and everything. And just with personnel, it's got to come um, from within different players. Um, but Walters will be an interesting one. We will talk about a lot of these teams. Any more to add on these coaching hires that we maybe missed? Um, I know there is a ton. Again, like Northwestern is just interesting because that whole thing, but it's hard to jump into that. We just really keep this about football with this program that's going to be on the field in the fall. Jumping into top transfers within the conference. There's a lot of names in here. And I don't think people realize where some of these names landed or who these names are and who they can be for a program. Uh, I want to just start off with one. I'm going to start with one, then we can jump to whoever's next. I got Luke Altmeyer, Ole Miss quarterback that had lost a job, only action being within a bowl game for the Rebels. Transfers to Illinois under Brett Bielema. And I think I do think this is a really high upside kid. Now, a lot, not a lot of experience. He was very high regarded out of high school. He's got the talent. He's got the raw talent. He's got the intangibles. What can he do in an Illinois offense that's been run heavy, but now transitions away from Chase Brown and that run game? Maybe they open it up a little more. I think uh, Bielema definitely got to go to one in that one. Who else in this conference had transferred in or transferred within the conference to new teams? Reese, you just raised your hand. Let's roll with one. Um, the biggest one I think is interesting when you talk about this coach is Tanner Mordecai coming to Wisconsin from SMU. He's a guy who threw for um, over 7,000 yards with 72 touchdowns um, at SMU over his career. But that's, again, that's not against Big Ten defenses, so it's going to be interesting to see if he can adjust to a conference where the top four teams, I believe, defensively gave up less than 17 points a game last year. So it's going to be a whole different scheme for him to, to deal with. Yeah, 100%. I think that's an interesting one. I think he's going to have to be um... – less relied on than he was at SMU. He has more firepower in the backfield with a better offensive line. Parks, you got another guy. Yeah, mine's a little bit under the radar, and he's actually a guy that's listed second on the depth chart over at Michigan. Um, Nebraska had an inside linebacker last year that played every game as a freshman. His name was Ernest Hausman, and this kid is a monster. I mean, I don't, I'm don't. i not a guy, especially in today's day and age, you can't get too upset about people leaving. Um, but this was a guy that we, it, we're going to miss. It's going to be like a Wandale Robinson type of guy. He's one of those stud. things where you wanted him to stay that bad. Yes. It was yeah. top guy. I wanted to stay, honestly, everybody else could have left. I mean, obviously other than the draft picks, but, um, this one's going to hurt. This one's going to, Ernest is going to start, find his way into the starting lineup at Michigan. There's no doubt in my mind. It gives an absolute stud quick to the ball. Humble kid, healthy, he's not injury prone at all, late hard hits. I think he had 15 solo tackles last year against Michigan, which is why they went out and got him. But we're one that definitely hurts us and a name that you're going to want to follow. Schaefer, add on. Yeah, uh, specifically at the transfer position or portal, I guess, like how many teams switched faces at quarterback was really what stood out to me. Especially in the West. Yeah, especially in the West, changing kind of, a lot of coaching changes and a lot of quarterback changes. But honestly, that's that's not one of the bigger ones that stood out to me. A couple of them that stood out to me. Nigel Glover uh, was a guy that transferred, I think, God, man, it, like July. This was in the midst of the, the Fitz uh, firing. He goes over to Ohio State. I think he's going to really help the back end of that defense. And that's a huge loss for a Northwestern team that's already lacking yeah. talent and is going to be very terrible. 
Yeah, and um, I, I can add on to the back end for that Ohio State group. The Jihad Harder Jihad Carter kid from Syracuse was an absolute dog up there, and he's going to help sure out that back end as well, just adding on to your Ohio State defensive backfield. No, I like it. And then the second guy I want to highlight is Sean Tyler, uh, transferring in from Western Michigan and Minnesota because you replace a guy That's like Mo Ibrahim. He, he, sorry, I didn't mean to steal, but he, <laughs> no, he's gonna, he's got to fill, uh, fill some big shoes for that offense. So. We'll see if he does it. I saw. I was kind of looking to see if Illinois would do the same thing and fill in a guy mm-hmm. for Chase Brown, but it looks like they're going to go within and just go back in the depth chart to see. But that's a guy I, I would highlight and see if yeah. he can fill those shoes for Minnesota. The Tyler kid, very, very, very talented kid. Um, but Mo, Muhammad Ibrahim being who he is at the University of Minnesota, like their all-time leading rusher and touchdown scored. I mean, does he have to film completely? No, but they would like to have another workhorse in that backfield. As, as we know, P.J. Fleck likes to control the football, um, be a balanced attack. Two quarterbacks that we did not mention within the West, Cade McNamara from Michigan to Iowa. That is just a situation where is the transfer the fix or is it other things that all need to be in play? Um, and we'll dive into them later. And then you get Jeff Sims from Georgia Tech to Nebraska. Uh, Sims is the more interesting one because he's coming from an offense where they were literally leaving the triple option when he took over and the coaching hire didn't work out. And so you don't know if it was him in the scheme. You don't know if it was him in confidence with this. Like, you don't know what it was. Um, but Matt rule really wanted him. And so he went and got him. Uh, that'll be something to pay attention to in Lincoln as he, um, has the intangible. He's a big dude, man. I think he's like six. Six four, six five, two hundred thirty some pounds with wheels. He's a big it's, motherfucker, it's a dude. That's yeah, the only way to break that. Um, any other transfers in the conference we did not touch on that maybe you guys had on your list? I think one that I, I highlighted is Malik McLean and Dante Cephas. I'm going to put him in that same category. Uh, transferring in at the receiver position at Penn State. This is a team that you know they have their quarterback. They have the running back duo in the backfield. One of the best in the country. Now can they get some receivers on the outside? This is a team that needs a guy like Jahan Dotson maybe again if they want to get back in that college football playoff contention. Uh, they're going to look for those two along with uh, a couple of other guys that they bring back to see if they can really turn up that offense to where maybe they get Ohio State and Michigan this year, but we'll dive into that later. You bet. Reese Parks, any other ones that you want to outline? I just had to jump on you. I had Altmeyer down as well. I had Altmeyer. Okay. I mean, that's a big name. Um, he, he threw 17 passes in college career and two of them are touchdowns. So it's a guy obviously who has potential. Reese, any more? Nope. Jacob took mine. Perfect. Well, before we jump into tier breakdowns, let's tell them what, where these teams landed within the breakdown. If we could have Reese or Parks outline what teams are in what. Uh, bracket basically that we threw these guys into and then we will jump into the favorites first again this week so again we have our usual breakdowns we have our favorites contenders waitlist and then our long shots our two favorites i'm sure everybody could guess them we have the ohio state university and then the michigan wolverines our contenders uh we have wisconsin penn state and then iowa our waitlist consists of minnesota illinois maryland nebraska michigan state and then our long shots, the teams that are not going to be so much fun to watch, but hey, it's still football. You can watch them. Rutgers, Indiana, Northwestern, it. it's still football. <laughs> it's still football. Hey, you're going to be complaining about not getting to watch football in July, so you might as well throw it on when it's on in September. Hey, your team's got a bye week, and it's 11 a.m. on a Saturday. Why are you not watching Purdue at Northwestern? That's bad. exactly the game I was going to say. You know Beth Moen's <laughs> on the mic. That's the game that's on the TV. 
what with with it being like the last two weekends of college football, I don't want to like turn the conversation direction completely away, but like, what are you guys watching right now? Because I, I I guess you guys baseball are baseball nightly. Fans, but holy shit, man! Baseball nightly. I can't find anything to watch. Johnny Manziel, uh, I guess. Yeah, well, there's you have Swamp Kings coming out next week. Uh, the Florida documentary about Tebow and Urban Meyer's years there that that's coming out. Uh, Major League Baseball is getting. We're in the hunt of a playoff push right now for a majority of the league. Cubs I know. Yeah, they say the Cubs are getting hot. O's kind of slowed down the last week and a half, but they won the last nine extras. So, yeah, I mean, baseball. Schaefer, uh, you're not a Little League World Series guy? You don't like the LLWS? Oh, dude, that's going on. I, hey. I was I was watching South Dakota a little bit. I was watching Sioux Falls kind of support. They the lost team, to but... North, Fargo, North Dakota. First time North yeah. Dakota's ever gone. What are we doing, Midwest? You got you got like Omaha, Lincoln, Des Moines, all the Des Moines area, the whole state of Iowa, South Dakota, and we're letting North Dakota get to the damn. Yeah, it's like that is a state that should never win in baseball against the rest of the Midwest. It's fake baseball. Doing? It's fake. Omaha teams don't play uh, that bullshit rule. Yeah, as I was gonna say, I don't know if even the majority of like Metro kids play little league anymore. I don't know if that's the normal thing. No, you can't. There's no way to play it. There's no team that does it here. It's all you trip. Really? Uh, you guys don't no, have like a sanctioned little league anywhere? Nope. Be, being from the area, I, I think Fargo has underrated athletes. Like, oh, do recently, they? You're not from the area, Schaefer. <laughs> you're from Sioux Falls. <laughs> Dude, it's the, it's the same direction. It's, it's all the same intersection. It's yeah. <laughs> we do. They come down here and play in every sport every weekend. Like, oh, I wonder why? Because nobody there. else in the state of North Dakota plays. They got. That's divided. what I'm saying. <laughs> what do you mean? Being from the area, what are you from the Bay Area now? Like, hey, I'm from the Bay. I'm from this whole area. I'm, you just go circle you, the whole I map. I did not follow Fargo or North Dakota athletics before I moved to one of the Dakotas. So I'm well, just telling. I you. can tell you that the majority of people in North Dakota just, don't follow North we Dakota just athletics. Need the Dakota, because <laughs> this isn't this isn't Sioux Falls where everybody's a jackrabbit out of nowhere. That's true. It's it's true. I, I I don't know what to tell you, but. Let's jump into our favorites. First off, we're going to lead off with your back-to-back Big Ten champions, back-to-back playoff appearances. Um, no national title appearances, though, for this team, which I think is their next step. They have actually added a Beat Georgia segment into their practice schedule right next to their Beat Ohio State segment, which is a big statement because to say you're on the same level as Georgia is pretty tough when they're back-to-back national title or national champions and you haven't been to one in the last two years. Um not a knock, but I'm just saying, like, that's a, that's a lot of talk, right? Like, just a little bit. Of, it's more bulletin board material for people around you than it is the people within the building. Michigan, with an over-under of 10.5, will return 84% of their returning production on the offensive side, including J.J. McCarthy, Blake Corum, and Donovan Edwards. This is a group that a lot of people are saying are going to be better than last year's football team. And last year's football team um, only ran into two scares at home against Illinois and at home against Maryland. They ran through Ohio State in the second half. They ran through the Big Ten title game. Not a lot of trouble until they played probably their worst worst football game of the year against TCU and gets bounced in the playoff. Let's talk the Wolverines. What do you guys see with this team? Start with offense, start with defense. First thing that comes to mind, returning production for me. Yeah, I think that's the biggest one, is is especially when you, you were a team last year that was nearly perfect. Uh, in all 14 games you played but one, when you return that much production, it is a big deal. We talk about production a lot. And I know it is a buzzword for us, but with Michigan, that's real. So when they return all of those guys back, uh, it's going to be huge coming into this year. Can they take that next step forward? It's it's really national championship or bust at this point 
um, which is crazy to think. Ooh, Ooh. bust. Is it not? I mean, this is you talk about it. This is better than last year's team. It, it starts at the quarterback position. You know, JJ McCarthy. Can he take that next level? For I'm not an NFL scout, so I don't know anything, but. Talking about this guy as, a, as an NFL caliber quarterback, I'm not sure if I see it yet. I think he needs to take that next step. Mm-hmm. Uh, they lack a lot of – I think the worst position on the team or, or the offense is the wide receiver position. So they're going to rely, number one, on the running game, yep. and number two, on the tight end position. You know, Colston Loveland is a guy that's an all-conference guy. They bring in A.J. Barner from Indiana. That's another guy who uh, shined last year. And then I want to highlight the defense just, just lightly. They added Josh Wallace from UMass at corner. Late post spring. Anytime mm-hmm. you see them post spring transfers, it's either one of two things. The team he was at had some troubles going into the summer and he wanted to get out. Or number two, the team that brought him in had troubles at that position and they needed to bring him in. So what does that tell you about the secondary? I think it's something that they really need to improve on last year after they got absolutely torched by TCU in that college football playoff game. So those are two things I think you need to watch out for Michigan this yeah. year. Let me let me help outline that defense a little bit. 78% returning production, elite in the front seven. Uh, this is going to be a team on the defensive line in the linebacking core. As Parks had touched on in our key transfers with Ernest Hausman, is a guy who's not even break. He's in the top two on the depth chart, but he's not like in the starting role. Like They have three backers ahead of him that are all really solid, but there's no way they keep him off the field. It's going to end up being uh, more of a rotational unit. Uh Junior Colson and Michael Barrett are those guys that currently hold those spots, uh, but they'll be just fine. That is an elite, elite run-stopping unit. And as Schaefer touched on, it's got to get a little better in the back end, but it wasn't bad last year. I really think that uh, they ranked uh, number five in the country out of 69 teams and opponent adjusted per play average with the passing defense. Um, and did it get a little you know, touchy in some spots. Yeah. And I think a lot of it had to do with that schedule last year where their teams weren't necessarily um, able to throw on them. And if they couldn't run on them, you made them one dimensional and they were able to get on the pass. Are are you saying, are you saying playing Colorado state, Hawaii and Yukon? Is it? Well, and Iowa to start the year. (laughs) Are you, is that what you're saying? I'm just in Rutgers. Like there's, I just think when it was time to be exposed and they weren't able to make a team one-dimensional, that's when it kind of reared its ugly head. But when you can make a team one-dimensional, you can key on the pass a little bit. Um, Reese, you look like you're ready to have a comment on this team. Say no, don't worry, Shave. They beefed up their non-conference this year. I don't know if you look Yeah, I saw they, so they, they, did the, they, they didn't do the same thing up. this they year, guys. Don't worry. They, they heard the arguments really and they said, good. East Carolina. <laughs> that ain't a joke. Who can we open up against? The Pirates. Grr. This isn't um, the Pirates of yesteryear. But no, the That's one true. thing that you guys keep mentioning, their their defense, they do return their two strong interior guys, defensive tackles, base and Graham, Chris Jenkins. Those guys are really hard to run against. They were sixth nationally defense last year in the country. Like I mentioned, the Big Ten has very, very good teams defensive. They're, they're top four, I mentioned before, less than 17 points a game they gave up. Um, they do have to replace three guys on their line as well. Um, they had to go to the portal. They got two guys from Stanford, one guy from Arizona State. So they ran the ball well last year with Corman, Donovan Edwards, but getting these guys to fit into that scheme. Um, curious as well, but I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna slip it, and I don't think this is a team that's gonna get back to the college football playoff. That's this year at all, though. Wow, okay. that's big. We're, we're high on them. We're high on them. We're high on them. But I think this is the year where everybody's looking to them, and they're gonna be like, "This is the year that they're gonna do it. They're gonna, this is everything for them, and they're gonna have." I think uh, the class, the classic, a little too much hype. 
This is like to Washington a couple years ago. Like that they're kind gonna, of thing. I see what you're saying. They, they have talent. They have everything. But I just think it's a spot where it's going to happen mm-hmm. where Harbaugh is going to have that. Everybody's going to be like, oh, he's the guy now. He's the guy. And they're going to have a slip this year, and they're going to go back to hating him and want to get rid of him. So I think it's, oh, it's going to be kind of God, You would hope not. But adding on to that offense we touched on, we missed some playmakers. With Corum and Edwards, we're talking about how how good of a run game they had. After – uh, before Quorum got hurt, he was averaging 153 yards a game in conference play, and then Edwards 173. I mean, that's a disgusting combo. Uh, and they are probably the best combo in the country. The receiver room that Schaefer had touched on earlier, that's Rowan Wilson, Cornelius Johnson, are going to be the main guys. My whole thing with this team is I'm not anti-J.J. McCarthy. I'm anti-Harbaugh saying he's once-in-a-generation athlete. That's where I'm like, yeah. is he, though? No, yeah. like he doesn't turn the ball over. He's 22 and five touchdown interception uh, ratio last year, but he's not winning you football games. I think he's helping you on the ground with his feet. I don't think he's winning you football games. I don't know if you guys see the same thing. Yeah, the, the um, Ohio State game last year, like he was hitting guys, but they were open. Like he wasn't making Sunday type throws. Like his guys were open and they were running the piss out of the ball in that second half. Like Tom Brady. That's a big reason why they won that game last year. He's a system, he's a system quarterback. Oh, that's so that's such a hot take. All of a sudden, it is, it is, it is, it is. Hot take early. JJ McCarthy equals Tom Brady. Don't put that out there. They're on the same level. Yeah, same level. You said it here. Any other thoughts on the Wolverines, Parks? You got something you want to touch on with this team? I think we already talked about a little of that schedule that is in the waiting room for them. Yeah, no, I mean, their schedule is not, it's got some games in there that are eye-opening, right? They they go to Happy Valley, which is never an easy place to play late in the year, but they also play in Minneapolis, which can be a sneaky game for teams, right? Minnesota is a team that competed with Ohio State a couple of years ago. Obviously, they had better pieces than what they'll have this year, but all obviously not an easy place to play. Um, I, I think this team, they return too much production to not be at the top of this conference, they've returned 15 starters. I'm a little bit higher on that wide receiver room than you guys are. I think those guys, we just talked about how he was throwing to open dudes. Those dudes got open because they're of high quality. I think losing Andrew Anthony to Oklahoma sucks, but Cornelius Johnson's a guy that's going to stand out in this room. He'll be wide receiver one. Um, they have got a lot of speed. They got a lot of speed. But on the defensive side of the ball, we got to take a look at kind of what happened in the playoff last year, right? You're giving up 51 points, and you weren't really in that game for the majority of it. So I think they need to have some changes in the secondary, but maybe just the experience gets them there. I see this team winning 11 games. So I'm high on the Wolverines. Yeah, let's roll into that. We have the 10.5 win total. Where does everybody have this football team at 10.5? You said you're not even going to see them in the playoff. Does that mean they get to 11-1 and and maybe lose an important one or lose a Big Ten title? Under. Under. Wow. Schaefer? Oh, man. Uh, I'm going to go under it. I'm Do under. it, yeah. I'm ten and two. Yes, I'll go under. I I have eleven and one. Um, when you tell me you play Penn State and Ohio State in the last two of the three weeks, yeah, uh, there's a loss in there. That's, um, yeah, that's I don't think opinion. your first opportunity to get bit would be your back to back first two road games of the year at Nebraska at Minnesota. That's your only opportunity, I think, to get bit outside of. Well, at I was going to say, let me let me say something about that because last year when they ran through the schedule, they had those three easy non conference games. And they ran into Maryland, which is, I think if they ran into Maryland a couple games after that, maybe week seven or week eight, they probably would have handled them better. But that was really the first team that gave them a look all year. So when you're looking at the schedule this year again, the trip to Lincoln probably is that game because they got East Carolina, UNLV, Rutgers, and Bowling Green all at home to start the year. 
then they take that trip to Lincoln. So do those first four games give them a look on anything, or is Nebraska going to be the team that already traveled to Colorado, already traveled to Minnesota that was tested early? Maybe they could jump Michigan early. I don't know. Yeah. Give them a look well, at least. Parks, where do you have this team, 11-1? Yeah, I have eleven and one. I think the only slip up is okay. at Penn State. I, I I'll get into it all later. That may be my hot take. It may yeah. lead into it, but there there is a real mess going on in the East that could happen this year. Yeah, I agree with you. So we have Michigan with a two and two split of the over under ten and a half. Two guys have them at ten and two, and two of them at eleven and one. Michigan, nonetheless, what we think this is a team that has a lot of returning production and returning talent with that production. Let's see where the Michigan Wolverines take us. Following, we're going to go to the Ohio State Buckeyes. Also, a win total at 10 and a half wins. 57% returning production on the offensive side, and I think we know where the big question mark lies with them at quarterback. 77% returning production on the defensive side. Where do we see the Buckeyes going? I think this is a team that we talk about every year. We talk um, about what's next for the Buckeyes, but we never had the conversation. What now at quarterback, it feels like. Let's say, yeah, this is... What's what? What is the expectation for Kyle McCord in 2023? I don't think it's it's not to be CJ Stroud. I think it's maybe to be a little more JJ McCarthy. Like manage the game, don't turn the ball over. You have so many weapons, so many options. You have one of the best play callers in college football, one of the best offensive schemes in college football. Just be you, manage the game, and, and don't try to do too much. I think guys are just going to automatically be open anyways. So I don't think this is something that we're going to look to Kyle McCord and think, well, he's he's got to be Heisman caliber because he really doesn't. Um, I Just looking at the offense really quick, obviously you have Emeka Obuka and Marvin Harrison. Marvin Harrison is easily the best receiver in college football, one of the best NFL caliber guys we've seen in probably the last half decade, full decade or so. Um, the line lost both starting offensive tackles to the NFL. They were NFL kind of guys. They bring in, uh, bring back. Uh, these are high end NFL line. guys. These are high end tackles that they lose. Yes, not just any tackles. These are high end. So, does that mean is he going to have a little more time, or are they going to have to rely on the running game a little bit um, to relieve the passing game? You know, you get Trayvon Williams back, Mayan Williams back. Oh, Trayvon Henderson back. Sorry, Mayan Williams back. Um, they're like, I think they're like third team all conference guys. I don't think they. They take I think that's a better stable than you think. What's that? It's a good one-two punch back there, man. It is good. I, I, I but it's not. You know, I, the comparison is probably not fair as to Quorum and Edwards, but they're they're a good. It's a stable running back room. So we'll see what they bring on bring in on offense. But I think talking about McCord, it's just manage the game, man. I yep. don't think he's got to be crazy. And if Kyle McCord is not the guy that ends up panning out for them, they do have Devin Brown, also a very highly recruited kid out of high school that Ryan Day seems to have a lot of confidence in both of them at the moment. Neither one of them has stepped up in front of the other necessarily, but they do have talent to pick from. It's not like this is a low talent uh, stable in the quarterback room. This is two guys who are really talented. And would you hope that before fall camp or early in fall camp, you would have a starter name? Yes, but I think there's a lot of assumptions that McCord is going to be that guy. Defensively, Tommy Eichenberg and Chambers headline a really good linebacking core, and you get Jim Knowles in a second-year scheme. I think that's something that we need to outline again. That's Knowles in a second year at a place that had a you know a lower defensive reputation. He brings that scheme from Oklahoma State, and I expect a year-two bump, especially when you have 
all their returning production they do on the defensive side of the ball. They're going to get a good bump out of that team. JT Tumaloao and Jack Sawyer will be your elite guys on the edge. They're going to be able to create quarterback pressure. They're going to be able to get to the quarterback and stop the run game. And again, you know, the secondary decided that the portal was the right way to go. They lose three pieces um, in depth and talent from last year, but they go into the portal and they grab Jihad Carter, among other names. Reese, when you're talking Buckeyes, you're the guy, you're the one with the shirt on, I should add. Like, yeah. This is apparently your team for the day. Yeah, right. Wild move, wild yeah. move to put that shirt on today. It's a wild move. We always we always wear the not that the shit. Why not? That's what I got. I either had this or Michigan. I picked this one. Oh, that hurts. I look nice. I look nice in this shirt. Whatever. Fuck off. Um, but no, Ohio State. You guys keep mentioning the quarterback is a big question mark. But when you bring back four of your weapons, that uh, let's see, Mayan Williams and Trayvon Henderson, I had that they combined for thirteen hundred ninety six yards with twenty one touchdowns. Harrison Jr. and Emeka Buka combined for 2,400 yards and 24 touchdowns. You're bringing those guys back for a guy who's going to be a, a new quarterback in college. That's probably a good place to start is bringing mm-hmm. back guys that know how to play football. And an offense that scored, um, they averaged 44 points last year. They're, like, obviously, C.J. Stroud, yep, a Heisman finalist, top number two pick. He's good, but this offense will miss a beat. He'll be just fine. They'll find a way to keep scoring. They did, the, they did what they knew in the portal. Uh, and just fun fact, they went into the portal as well for a new kicker because I think they were tired of looking at that guy hit a knuckleball from 50 yards out for a chance to go oh to the national title. Oh, my God, just so. make the kick of their national champions. Yeah, it's tough. Make your it's kick. Tough. But they, they went to USC, and they got Parker Lewis, so Give they got a good guy, and they're not, they're, not letting, they're not letting that guy try to decide their season again. So there's just – You know, I'm thinking, you. I'm thinking, you know, that old Wayne Gretzky quote slash Michael Scott, you miss 100 shots that you don't take. I don't know. He'd have missed it just as much if he never kicked the damn thing. You gotta try to left. Whoa. You gotta try to kick it with his left foot. That thing off the <laughs> foot had no chance. Bro's gonna get drafted by the Bears. It's the wrong, wrong zip code that thing was traveling into. Parks, anything to add on the Buckeyes? I know you had um, some thoughts on this team earlier this week. Yeah, so we, we want to talk about teams that have an unknown piece, and we've already mentioned Kyle McCord, but really, I mean, we're talking about the Ohio State Buckeyes, a team that's never lost eight games in the history of their program. This is a reload. I mean, I have no doubt in the ability that Kyle McCord brings into this team. And then you have to look at one side of the field. If you want to tell me on one side of the field, you can line up Marvin Harrison Jr. And then Amika Mbuka on the, on the slot. And then, oh, on the other side, we'll just add in Cade Stover, who stands at 6'5", 270. And uh, you got to throw to one of these guys. It's not really the hardest job in the world. So I'm not Somebody's going to be open. <laughs> I think the scheme's going to help them a ton. Like that's a scheme that gets guys open all the time. And if the scheme isn't the right play all the time, you have elite route runners and speed on each spot. With talent like that, it is very hard to not be a good quarterback. I mean, you're giving them every weapon you could ask for. So I'm not really worried about them. I think this is going to be a team at the top of the conference yet again. And Ryan Day knows knows what he's doing. Um, it's going to come down to the game for them. Yeah. Before we jump into the win total, like this team wins that semifinal game against Georgia and maybe they win the national title. Maybe they don't. They win the national title. You're looking at them. You're looking at them way different. Mm -hmm. Are we looking at them like we are like right now where a lot of people are like, "Uh, they might be down this year. Are you like, I don't know if you are. I think you're looking at it completely differently. Um, But 10 and a half is the win total. Where does everybody have them? I will start. I have 11 and one to 12 and 0 on this football team. I have 11 and one as well. Over. How old? If I went 10 and 2 with Michigan, I'll go 11 and 1 with Ohio State. I mean, you're so confident over there. I'll just, I'll just piece it together. Um, but I think that their, their loss is going to be at at Michigan. 
So if you noticed, I said Michigan's going to lose to Penn State. Now I'm saying Ohio State's going to lose to Michigan. So you can see where this is going. It's going to be an absolute fuck fest in the Big Ten East yeah. this year. Well, this this is interesting when you look at the schedule. Like they their three toughest games um, are on the road at Notre Dame, at Wisconsin, at Michigan. Outside of Penn State at home, I'm, like those are three really tough road games. And you get one at the beginning of the year, one smack dab in the middle, and one to end the year. So like it's spread out. It's not in a you know in a couple in a row like we we're talking about Michigan schedule. But that is where we see them. That's the Buckeyes. That is it for our favorites. Let's jump into the contenders. And I think our first contender we will talk about is a part of that Big Ten East, the Penn State Nittany Lions. This is a team that took a step forward last year. A lot of people maybe thought it was going to be a bigger step forward, but they did run into their Michigan and Ohio State problem once again. 55% returning production on the offensive side and 75% returning production on the defensive side. This team has a win total of nine and a half and is currently picked in most spots as the third best team in the East, but within the top 10 in the college football rankings. What do we see with Penn State? Are we high on this team? Are we lower on this team? They also have to change quarterbacks. I think this is my team. I'm going to be, if I had to, if I had to get on the back of a, a big 10 team, I think this is my team. It's kind of insane that we didn't put them in the, in the, what is it? The favorites, the list. favorites, the favorites. I'm sorry. The favorites. Can you have list. three favorites in one division though. I, then the Pac-12. Otherwise, it doesn't work that way. Well, you know, and it, it's fair. It's fair to put them in the contenders because, I mean, of the record. I mean, it's like four and fourteen versus uh, Ohio State and Michigan under Franklin. It's just it hasn't been great. Can they take that next step this year? And honestly, is the next step just winning one of them? Like yeah. I think it is. If you can just beat maybe Michigan at home, I think that's taking the next step. Everybody's going to be talking about Drew Aller. Or Ayler. Somebody said Ayler. I've seen Aller. It's Aller. I've seen Aller. That's what I said. Anyways, but he's raved by the staff. You know, there was some controversy last year that I think a lot of people wanted him to step in. They were kind of over the six-year Clifford, which I think is ridiculous. 16th year. They act like he played so poorly. The guy was above serviceable, like above average quarterback. Very above. Go on, though. No, you're you're fine. I I think they got a lot of weapons at, at... on this offense. I talked about the transfers they brought in at the receiver position. Keandre Lambert Smith is an all conference potential guy as well. I think he might be a second team all conference receiver in a, against those Ohio State guys. Theo Johnson um, will be another guy at the tight end position that's going to be a legitimate threat. Everybody already knows about the running backs and what they bring to the table. And then they bring in probably the best offensive tackle in the country uh, back. But can Fashenu stay healthy? That's the biggest thing. He, he had some injury problems last year. I think it's kind of a group um, at the offensive line that they need to see a little more this year. And they have the talent. Can they stay healthy? And can they make, take that next step to protect Aller? Um, and then on the defensive side of the ball, I think they got the best linebacking group in the country, or probably the Big Ten. I wouldn't say the country. Country's a bold word, uh, bold statement. But I think this is a team I'm, I'm really high on. They have one of the best defensive coordinators in the country, Manny Diaz. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I can't say enough about this team. 100%. I think we're starting to get a little bit of a theme going on here, Parks. If you're, you know, picking up what he's been putting down and what I'm thinking. So that's mm-hmm. why I want to go to Reese right now is like, Reese, where are you at on this Penn State team? Because you did put under on a Michigan team who has higher expectations. And now you have a team like this that's not necessarily a dark horse, but they're kind of sitting in the shadow a little bit. I think they're going to be very good this year. Uh, take their over on wins, whatever it is. I think they're going to be a team that's going to 
beat one of those two top teams in the East. They're going to have no problem doing it. They're taking the steps in the right direction. Like you guys mentioned, or Shaver just mentioned, do they just got to win the one? And that's kind of what they can do for it and get themselves more established in, in the uh, in the conference. But the big thing, too, in their, their defense that hasn't been mentioned yet, they have arguably one of the best one-two punches with the corners uh, with mm-hmm. uh, Caitlin King and then Johnny Dixon. Those guys are not easy to throw against. Uh, I believe Caitlin King led Big Ten last year and passed the defendant with 21 against – and obviously, we mentioned it weeks before, going into the season without your quarterback, that's the hardest thing to figure out if you don't know what to expect. But I think he's a guy that he's he's wanted for a reason last year. I mean, people want to hate on Clifford because it's it's just easy to hate, hate on a guy that you've seen forever. You know what he's going to do. And 100%. He's going to do something different. But I think he's just, he's your, um, I can't think of the word, like not firecracker. He's uh, just your question mark for the season or whatever yeah. whatever you want it to be. If he, Whatever he's going to do for you. Uh, is gonna is gonna define your season, but again, Happy Valley is one of the hardest places to play too. I think they can easily easily um, get somebody at home that they're uh, and they're not supposed to be. So, but yeah, and like you look at you know Drew Aller, like that's why everybody wanted him. It was the you know the appearance of a high ceiling and a higher ceiling than what Clifford had. But with Clifford, you have to remember last year was a sixty four percent completion percentage, eight yards per attempt, and ranked number three in the Big Ten in quarterback rating. I mean, behind, like, come on, like, we got to understand that. Yeah. And so I think it's just, you know, what's behind door number two with a guy who's very highly touted out of high school and has a very high ceiling. He's not going to, this is kind of like the Ohio State thing. He's going to have a good stable of running backs in Nick Singleton and Allen. Both ran for over 700 yards last year. Nick Singleton is a true freshman, over a thousand. And Theo Johnson at tight end is, I think is like, we have to talk about him because that is a, one of the best bailout options in the country. One of the best tight ends within the big 10 as well. Um, he's going to be a consistent playmaker and a consistent bailout option for a young quarterback defensively. This team is nasty. I think this is going to be the best, the best defense in the big 10, which is a lot to say, because there's a ton of teams in this conference that, you know, could hold that ranking. The defensive line has added is going to be the strength and it should be a year where James Franklin, I think, can rely on his coordinators and really just understand that that the team's there. And I think he's confident that he's gotten that team to a position where they can win football games. Now where in years past, it was like, well, they have a multitude of question marks on the defensive side, or can they get better quarterback play? Can they get better offensive line play? Well, I think they've hit a spot after um, a good recruiting stretch the last couple of years that it's time to blossom a little bit in happy Valley parks. Talk about the mini lions, anything you want to add? Yeah, I just think looking at the grand scheme of things, it's a team that brings back 16 returning starters, including Nick Singleton, who's easily in the top of the running back room in the Big Ten. Um, probably put him right up next to Blake Corn. I think you're going to get an easy 1,000-yard year out of him, if not more. I think uh, he could be a guy that puts up absolute numbers because their line's good. This is the Franklin's best chance to to win this Big Ten East that he's had in a while. I think if you look back, and not a lot of people are going to like this because I'm very high on them as well, but if you look back, back statistically, 2019, Penn State goes 11 and two, and then they come back with a four and five season, which is COVID, and then they go to seven and six, and then they're 11 and two this year. So they're due statistically for a little hiccup. I, I don't think mm-hmm. it can happen, not with this much returning production. Um, I, I'm a, a very big believer in Drew Aller and his, and his product, um, but it, it, this is going to complete the Big Ten East, man. This is the make or break, I think. Uh, I don't know if Penn State's fans believe in or their program believes in us them as much as we do right because they're they're they do they play Iowa the whiteout game mm-hmm. 
why is that whiteout game not Ohio and uh, Indy somewhere else? Why is it not Michigan? When you play Michigan at home, why is that, that is not? because it's too late in the year. The TV networks, yeah, it's the TV networks. Okay, because it's late in the year and you don't want it to be freezing. That's fine, but like I hope this team is believed in in Happy Valley as much as they are believed in in the Midwest because this is Franklin's best chance to win this East by a lot. Yeah, quick touch on the schedule prior to jumping into that over under that sits at nine and a half. West Virginia, Delaware, your start. West Virginia not going to be a great football team. We had already covered them in our Big Twelve preview. At Illinois, and we'll get to Illinois. That's a I tough Big Ten opener. Yeah. yeah, Iowa, and then they go to Northwestern. So your West draws are Illinois, Iowa, Northwestern. You get them all in a row, and then you go to Ohio State. You get Michigan at home, and you end the year with Michigan State again. Like, is this that that at Michigan State is where I kind of worry, depending on what's going on throughout the in rest Ford of the year, Field? right? What at Ford Michigan, Field? Yeah, that Michigan God, State fans I mean, are going to be there. Yeah, um, that's dumb. Quick, that's quick not a scary. What did Reese need? Reese had a point. No, I, I was going to mention the schedule too. I was just saying like if Aller isn't the guy and he's not ready by week three, week four, those are two very sneaky um, games that they could very play, interesting so. games. Win total over under at nine and a half. Where do we see Penn State starting with Reese over? over. Is this a unanimous over? This is. This is the easiest over win total. I agree. I think nine and a half is there for your two. Ohio State and Michigan's, but then there's one more maybe they think they lose, but I think 10 is look, very seeable. Look at this. I mean, outside of the Michigan and Ohio State game last year, uh, looking back at the schedule, uh, they didn't come within 20 points of any other Big yeah. Ten opponent. They ran, the, they ran the Big Ten outside of those two games. I, and may, and I say they maybe get one this year. So, I mean, nine and a half. I I don't see this team losing more than two games. This is what I'm yeah. talking about. This, this is the trifecta. If they beat Michigan at home, you have the three-way tie. Because Ohio State gets beat by Michigan, Michigan gets beat by Penn State, and Michigan beats Ohio State. That's a three-way tie. I, I They're think, all 11-1. and one. I think the, the first four games is honestly like the biggest tester of anything. I mean, you got – I mean, West Virginia, we talked about, is not very good, but that's Come a on. tough That's a tough first Power 5 opponent to play. Ain't no um, blue hand coming into Happy Valley and winning. That's all. Sure, shit ain't you, Mass. All month. You have at <laughs> Illinois, you have Iowa at home. So you can come out of that with no sweat. Maybe they win, if they win at all those games by two touchdowns plus, yeah, you're looking at it. This team is going to be legit. Yeah. This team just decided to schedule um, non-conference opponents based on the unique mascot with your Mountaineer, your Blue Hen, and your Minutemen in there. So uh, that's uh, where we we can't. I gotta st- I gotta stop you guys. We we what are we gonna do? All I have all these teams eleven and one beating each other. And do you know what the tiebreaker is? I had to look this up for an hour last night. It's who got? they beat. It's like the the rest of the conference schedule who they beat. Right. So if I had them all eleven and one, they're all undefeated besides the tiebreaker. I have no idea who the fuck is going to get in. It's, it's going to be, be interesting, and it puts the Big Ten in an interesting spot with a four-team playoff. It, it, that's, somebody above me. That's right. I would assume that they're going to go based that off strength of schedule. That would be the other tiebreaker I couldn't find, like if they play yeah. more ranked teams than one another. But 11 and one, three 11 and one teams in one division in college football is very, very possible for these three teams. If, if, you're, doing, if you're doing strength of schedule, Ohio State would easily win that because you have Notre Dame and Western Kentucky as your non-con. You have at, at Michigan. Uh, at Wisconsin, I think they're they would easily win that. Also. I know, but can you make an argument with? And uh, now you can't. I was just thinking for Penn State, it's like, can you make an argument? Can. Virginia? No, nah, you can't. 
<laughs> you can't. Maybe not this year, Neil. Maybe in another life. Another contender we have to talk about. Now we're jumping to the West Division across the Mississippi River. We have the Wisconsin Badgers at eight and a half as their over over win over under win total. We had outlined Fickle is now the head man there. Phil Longo steps in offensive coordinator. This is a different looking Wisconsin program. Let's talk about him. Opening thoughts when you look at Wisconsin. I'll take it, Shave, because I know the West. No, 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 no. No, you're I good. The West. All right, go ahead. Yeah. It feels weird, right, to have a first-year head coach this high in this in this division of, of our ranking list, but it's the Big Ten Wild Wild West, baby. Nobody knows who's going to win this conference ever. It could be anybody. We could have an interim Northwestern team win this, win this division. No. I mean, this is, this is the Big Ten West. It's the greatest thing in college football. It's like the Pac-12 <laughs> in one division. They just beat the it's, shit out of each good. other. It's a good thing I've, I've drank two cups of coffee so I don't fall asleep when we're talking about the Oh, oh here we go. Here we go. During the Big 12 thing, and it was your conference you were talking yeah. about. The American Junior, the American Conference Junior. <laughs> uh, no, but Fickle returns eight starters on defense, the defensive side of the ball, which was, which was decent last year. They had some hiccups. I thought it was interesting how they let Jim Leonard go, and now he's a football analyst at the University of Illinois who's also defense was stupid good last year. Um, but when you have Mordecai coming in from SMU, the way he can sling it along with Braylon Allen in the back backfield, it's, it's really hard not to see a successful year with this team, um, especially under fickle. So it's a guy who gets the most out of where he is at. Um, so I expect a good year for the Badgers. We have to outline that this Longo offense and this offense corner scheme has air raid tendencies and they like to throw the ball a lot, but this offense at North Carolina averaged just under 200 yards a game in over his four years in North Carolina. And now he's got a, I think a better Running back stable outside of when he had Javante Williams and that duo at North Carolina, Braylon Allen still doesn't get the deserve or the respect he deserves. I don't know what it is. It's just a ton of really good running backs in the Big Ten, but he's still not getting the love he deserves. That kid's an animal. And then you have uh, Ches Mu- or Malusi who ran for over twelve hundred yards last year. Like we have to talk about this stable, and they're gonna find ways to get them the football along with the uh, transfers and CJ Williams and other three receivers they have still within that program. Reese, you were just about to say something. Are you going to go offensively with this team, defensively? What are you seeing that needs outlined? I was just going to stick with offensively, but first thing I got to say, JP, Wisconsin is not across the uh, Mississippi River, by the way. Just, I need to throw that out there for you just so you know. Um, yeah, it is. From, Geographical. From Penn, you definitely have to cross the Mississippi to get to Wisconsin. You, the Mississippi River? No. To get from sure? Michigan to Wisconsin, you don't need to cross the Mississippi River. Yeah, look at we it. We didn't go from Michigan. We went from what, you went Pennsylvania. From the Let's talk from football. Michigan. Football. Whenever, whenever you're ready. While, while you're looking, while you're looking at it, and then verifying that I'm right, um, I'll talk about how Wisconsin went to the transfer portal. Okay, if you want to go through Chicago, so most people don't want to, they would come to the beautiful state of Iowa first. See, this is uh, why Wisconsin went. Yeah, Wisconsin yeah, went yeah, the transfer portal picked up picked up three guys that had to help out Mordecai, like I mentioned before. He did all his stuff at SMU, where he's not really tested against that solid of defenses. So helping that out, and then Braylon Allen in the backfield. Uh, guys, a fridge, probably top three running backs in in the Big Ten, you could argue. Um, and then yeah, it's just can Phil Longo in this offense can they adapt to the new identity? And I think they have a favorable schedule to start off. Their first first five games, I mean, at Washington State might be sneaky, I guess, but I still think it's a game they can go in there and win, no problem. They open up with Purdue and Rutgers for the for the Big Ten Conference, which I think that they'll be just fine handling those as well. So I think they have they have a couple weeks to get their their feet underneath them, 
and figure out what they're trying to do with this new offense and getting getting everybody like what what Wisconsin's going to look like this year. Mm-hmm. So I th- I think they'll be fine to start the year. They got plenty of games to warm up. Yeah, and Intel out of fall camp says the offense hasn't quite got where it wanted, and that was, you know, a little bit different looking at just the changes they're going through. And so it's going to take time in September. It's going to look different than it did in um, August or that it did in April when it was first introduced. Defensively, 68% returning production. They lose three all Big Ten performers. But I think when you kind of look throughout this defense, it's always a team that's good. It's not a lot of big names that make a Wisconsin defense, right? Uh, it's other pieces that really help out, and especially at the linebacking court with Daryl Peterson and then Michigan State transfer um, Jeff Petrowski. Those are going to be good linebackers that really anchor a defense that's really solid. Schaefer, I think their defense is going to be fine. I, I don't, I don't think it's going to. I think it's just going to be stable. Like I think Trestle's a fine defensive coordinator. I, I think, mm-hmm. like you said, JP, I think they have good pieces that are going to be fine. But what I have questions on is a couple of things on the offensive side of the ball. Um, especially Wisconsin, that's always been a a ground and pound type of team. How well can they make this transition in year one uh, with the air raid system? Tanner Mordecai, I think, is a guy that you can instill in this offense and for it to be productive. But you know, he has a little bit of some turnover issues. Can he correct that in year one uh, with Fickle? And then we talked about the running back position. I'm interested to see how Braylon Allen fits into this offense. You know, we know what we're going to get out of him. Can he mm-hmm. be that pass catching back? Can he get out in space and kind of use him that way? I'm also interested to see how his production can increase or decrease after back-to-back thousand-yard seasons. How is he going to fit into this system? It'll be interesting for sure. A win total at eight and a half. Where do we land on the Badgers? Schedule is not too daunting. It's a Big Ten West schedule, but it the out of conference aren't isn't very scary with Washington State losing a lot of production and being different, and then Buffalo and Georgia Southern. Over, under, eight and a half, fellas. Over. Over. Where, where, how do they do in that Iowa at Illinois and Ohio State stretch? I mean, that's. I think they lose at Illinois and to Ohio State. I don't want to comment on the other one, but I could see eight and four. I could see nine and three. I see nine and three or ten and two. I I just think you're going to sputter more than you think offensively. That's just what I, like, it's hard for me to just buy in that they're going to win 10 football games year one of this my nine and three includes a loss at washington state by the way oh okay i have i have the under i I don't see this team winning more than eight games and i can kind of see them going seven and five i got i have a comment on your on your iowa game though jordan like if you like just looking at this team grand end season it's completely different but if you're just looking at this team on paper and looking at their schedule all they have to do is beat iowa and they win the west right no, like I don't, know Illinois, what else, Illinois. I don't know what else prevent. Uh, that, that was not the case last year. Illinois, Illinois is going to be good, but I don't think they're the team they were last year. I don't think I don't think I don't think Illinois is going out and beating everybody. Like I think Wisconsin, no, I'm beat everybody. It's a Big Ten West. That's true. Whatever. <laughs> it's usually one game. You got to be one person. You could win that bitch. I think eight, eight and four, nine and three is the area, and sitting at eight and a half, I would lean under, just because I. I think you have a buffer year. I'm not saying it's not going to be a good football team. I just think there's a buffer year where maybe they lose one they're not supposed to. Um, and, you know, at Minnesota, the end of year, Minnesota's kind of had their number. P.J. Flex kind of been the guy um, in that Paul Bunyan game. Last contender that we have is the Iowa Hawkeyes. The Hawkeyes have officially uh, jumped into the transfer portal for the first time that is noteworthy in the Ferentz era. This is a team that was way below 
expectations last year. They do bring in Eric All, Caden McNamara, and Caleb Brown to help out the offense and other pieces. The defense is always going to be solid. What are you going to get out of this Iowa football team? Uh, do you guys want to say anything first, and then I'll kind of go on my spiel, or do you want me to just take over? Yeah, let's flip sides. Uh, I'll start. I think it's really hard. That's the first thing I listed was it's hard because it's a team that I want the absolute worst for. No offense. I want the absolute worst for them, but I can't see it. I'm going to put my fandom aside and professionally speak about them. They have better pieces. McNamara, obviously the addition of him is like a Rolls Royce ghost versus the Toyota minivan that Spencer Petrus was. So it'll be interesting. I think that's a huge benefit for them because there was a lot of offense production loss from overthrown balls, some turnovers at the beginning of the game at Ohio State that transferred the entire game's basically the, the, the pace of the game and how bad they ended up getting beat. Um, so I think McNamara is going to obviously play the biggest piece. They added uh, other additions. You know, you got obviously a Michigan tight end transfer rolling in that's going to to tight end you, um, who's obviously going to develop and be very good. But Brian Ferentz still has that play calling sheet, man. It's going to be interesting the first couple of games to see what he does differently with these new weapons to make this Iowa offense um, basically effective. Because I'm not going to say uh, better than what they were because they just weren't effective. They, they were non-existent and Iowa fans knew it and they were frustrated with it. And honestly, I can't believe that they didn't make a change there. Um, but you got to look at also Phil Parker and Cooper DeGene are still on the defensive side of the ball uh, for uh, the Iowa Hawkeyes. So Phil Parker always got those guys ready to play. Schemes are are swarming. It's it's a good team, man. I, they, they definitely have potential, but it just how those new pieces fit into this Iowa offense that's supposed to be better, but has the same play caller um, that's going to that's gonna come down. But Iowa's this weird team, and I say this for most of the West, that has these games that are rivalry games based on history that just have weird paces to it. And that's Purdue, Wisconsin, and Minnesota. Teams that it really doesn't matter if you're having an up or down year or if you're better or not. It's going to be a close game or a game that you, you know could catch you by surprise. Point being, when I was ranked number two in the country and Purdue rolls in and, and beats him handily. So it's just those weird games that Iowa has that they have to win to then take that next step. Yeah, they got their two hardest games on the road this year. I mean, they go to Penn State and, that at, and then at Iowa State. Just kidding, Jacob. Um, they go to Wisconsin. <laughs> they go. They got. They got Penn State, Wisconsin on the road. Those are probably their two toughest games. Otherwise, they get everybody else at home. That's that you want. Michigan State's the spot where there could be a slip up or whatever. They're Illinois in there as well, but I think their two hardest games are on the road. But I still think it's a team where, like you just mentioned, they still have that same defensive corner. They also. Uh, People love to talk about this for their team because that was their exciting last year was they have probably one of the best punters in the country. So he's a guy that can uh, pin, it, pin the team deep and with that defense, get stops. And now if that offense can just do anything different than what they did last year, they have a very good shot at uh, taking care of the West and being a team that can be at the shot at the end of the year. So, Trevor, you want to jump in on this? Yeah, actually, I'm, I'm not really going to jump in in the namesake and personnel. I'm going to actually give you two questions and I want you to lead off with it. Right. Um, first thing, offensively, you know, you want to talk about the quarterback position. You want to talk about, you know, everything that happened last year. But where where do you take that next step offensively? And I think you can agree with me, Jordan. It's it's the offensive line. I mean, you take you bring back all five starters. Uh, it's a group that historically has always been solid in the Ferentz era, and maybe mm-hmm. that's the new era with transfer portal or or whatever it may be. But this is a group that's got to take that next step. And I want your thoughts on that. But then defensively, I think this team is going to be 
it's going to be fine. You know, the personnel is there. The production's back. You know what you're going to get out of a Phil Parker defense. But I think they're going to take a step back. I think that's that's safe to say because last year they were historically good, especially creating turnovers and getting touchdowns that way. It's going to be almost impossible to replicate that again this year. In that, It's not going to say that they're not going to be a good defense. Mm-hmm. It's just saying that they, it's going to be almost impossible to replicate how good that defense was last year. So it all relies on can the offense just take a little bit of a step and let's talk about it. Talk about the offensive lines first, Jordan. Yeah, and for some reason, like I understand why majority of the country and other people who aren't paying attention to this team want to blame play calling and they want to blame quarterback play only. And Pete just caught a lot of flack, and rightfully so at times. Um, but when I'm walking into Kinnick Stadium to play Iowa State and the kid's warming up and I already have fans yelling at him, telling him to figure it out, I'm going to get a little pissed off because it's like you're he's on your side. I Like, what are we doing? Why are we wanting him to have a bad game? Anyway, I think a lot of the the flack at Brian Ferentz has to do with he was, you know, with the offensive line for a couple of years, and that's what he did, and then he helped with the quarterbacks last year. We have to remember that he probably wants to open it up a little bit, more than he has, but Kirk's not going to let him. He has to stay in the complementary phase of where this football team plays, right? There's a bend but don't break defense. It's an offense that controls the football. It controls field position so they can um, score points that way and just control the way the game is played. Your offensive line needs talks about more. It's been historically bad the last two years, which is like in a scheme like this is crucifying to what you want to do. But here's where I think the light comes is that you get a higher ceiling in McNamara. You're going to get a a guy who can escape the pocket and make a little more things happen, be more consistent throwing the football. You're going to get a better another tight end to compliment Luke Lachey, who's already on one side, who's probably going to be an all Big Ten guy. If not first team, he's going to be second team all offense. And then Caleb Brown is just a guy who needed to bring in depth. Um, from what I understand out of their fall scrimmage that Seth Anderson and a couple other pieces on the edges are everything that they were cracked up to be, whether he came from a Division II school or not, right? Um, you look at the rock bottom they were on, they just need better quarterback play. They need better offensive line play. This team is going to have a good stable of running backs. Caleb Johnson is a stud. LaShawn Williams is a stud. They will be just fine there. Can they get to a point where the offensive line play gets back to maybe right at average or above average where I was used to having teams? Defensively, the DBs are disgusting. Wampa, Schulte, DeGene, I think they're going to be just fine on the back end. The linebacking core is interesting. You have to replace three guys. And Jack Campbell in top two Iowa linebackers of all time, guy was an absolute unit. But you get guys like Jay Higgins and you bring in Virginia transfer Nick Jackson, who I think are going to fit very well into what they want to do. The defensive line is super deep, super deep, and very, very, very talented. Joe Evans, Logan Lee, Deontay Craig, just to name a few guys that are going to be um, very sound players in that scheme. That's what you have to do. You have to plug holes and be in the right spot so your linebackers can flow and make plays. I think they will be fine. And to kind of cap all this off, like, it's Big Ten Western bust. You're playing in Indianapolis, or this is a this is a season that went down the drain, and that's whether McNamara plays or it doesn't, or he you know misses a couple of weeks for whatever reason. He's maybe taking a little more time to get back from the injury. It's Big Ten Western bust. You win the West, or this is just not where you need to be. So that's the Hawks. I think that's I think I share um, a lot of Iowa opinions in that facet now do they go the same direction i did and point out the offensive line is the number one thing that needs to improve probably not well that's another discussion um win total at eight i checked this morning over under for the hawks 
Two things, JP, two things really quick. Uh, I yep. also have to mention that I had that down. I didn't mention it in the initial, but the, their offensive line is h- historically good, weren't as good last year. A lot of missed assignments, specifically weren't in the Nebraska good. games. They These guys couldn't have blocked fucking Bellevue East. Yeah. <laughs> the, they, they weren't good. Okay, they weren't good. I'm trying to be and cordial. Here's my worry. Here's my worry. They're young. They were young, right? The last couple of years. You bring in Dejan Parker and you bring in Rusty Feth to help on the interior of that, which I think will help. But here we go back to Stanford Steve. Experience doesn't bring back talent. Now, you these are talented kids, but they haven't shown it. They're just experienced, so who knows? Also, you have to mention, uh, help me with the last name, JP, defensive back, Xavier Wampa. Stud had a huge game in the bowl game last year. He'll play it, him and, and Cooper DeGene. What a one-two punch! Good luck throwing against that secondary. Over under eight, fellas. It's hard. I'll, I'll to say not over see this team. I mean, it has to be catastrophic. I, I, you said hard to go I have or hard to go over. Yeah, over. Yeah, I, I have over eight and four, nine and three. I think nine and three is more realistic with their schedule. Um, but uh, eight and eight and four, Reeves? nine and three. Yeah, I'm the exact same boat. If it's over, it's just nine. It's not ten. Gotcha, Schaefer. I said, I I said over. It's it, if it, they don't get the over, it's it's a it's catastrophic season. Yeah, somebody's burn. getting fired. Somebody's you think sent. you think Ferentz no, gets right. fired? You think if they go seven and five, you no, think they, won't, they won't fire him. He's ready to step down the next call. I think he's got two seasons left. I think he just wants. Um, I, I think he still loves it, and that's they're not going to get rid of him at that point. But if they were to go like six and six, five and seven, I think it accelerates his retirement process. But uh, I, I will bad. say uh, on a on a uh, NCAA I mean, revamp not, note, if I have the new rosters in there, every time the season ends, he retires because of his age. So uh, yeah. he's getting up there. I have the Iowa Hawkeyes over. I have them at ten and two. Um. I don't think there's any reason to lose less than nine or less than three games. Like you got those rosy red glasses on. Um, at Ohio or at Iowa State, at Penn State, at Wisconsin, at Nebraska. Uh, those are the ones I have outlined. You're not getting a very good team in Iowa State. You're not sure where you're getting out of Nebraska. That could be a really good team. It could be a bad team. It could be an average team, but it's still at Nebraska. Um, at Wisconsin is going to be tough, and I it's hard for me to see them winning at Penn State. So ten and two. There's no reason. There's no reason you don't go ten and two. You get Illinois at home and Minnesota at home. Those are the other two you worry about. Not worried about them. Those are those weird games. Those are those weird games, Jordan. With those teams, it'd be really weird. I was mentioning. They got a favorable schedule. I will agree with that. To the wait list we go. Our first wait list team is going to be the Minnesota Golden Gophers with an over under win total of seven. PJ Fleck had to knock down another conspiracy BS that happened with his program. We talked about it shortly. We didn't know all the facts. It just sounds like some whistleblowers trying to get back at a guy that didn't play them much. Um, but over under seven and a half, Mo Ibrahim departs and Schaefer has the Gophers covered for us. And and Tanner Morgan. Yeah. Finally. After his fiftieth year of college football. <laughs> Yeah, that's where I'm going to start with this team is like where the identity, where does it go from here offensively for Fleck and company? Um, He takes in Matt Simon and and Greg Harbaugh Jr. as new co-offensive coordinators. Uh, I think they're in hire or in 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 house hires. Uh, So I don't think the system's going to change too much. Uh, But you are going to get a different uh, play style quarterback in Cali uh, Manis. That is a tough last name. Cali Manis. I mean, they talk about his arm. And how big it is, and you know, so they're probably going to throw it a lot more. We talked about Tyler and our transfer portal um, group, in that 
he's going to have to replace Muhammad Ibrahim, but I don't think he's going to get nearly as many carries as, as the bell cow that Ibrahim was. So where are they going to go from here? Chris Autumn Bell and Daniel Jackson return. I think those are two guys that need to step up at the wide receiver position. And and you bring it bring back Brevin Span Ford. Uh, I think you take away um, the the Georgia tight end. Holy crap! I'm forgetting his name. The coffee's running through me. Uh, but he's probably a top three tight end in the country. So Brock Bowers. We're gonna rely rely on him a ton going into next year. Minnesota finished uh, really well defensively last year, but they had an interesting year. Um, they didn't bring a lot of pressure on the defensive line, but they still ranked in the top 10 in defense. So I don't think they're going to repeat the same success that they have unless they improve that pressure on the defensive line. You bet. Uh, they got just a lot of unfamiliar faces. They, they lost a lot, um, whether it be seniors or, or portal, whatever it may be, the defense is replacing a lot of guys. Um, Justin Wally, he's one of the only familiar faces. He's returning at court, corner in that cornerback group and specifically the entire secondary lacks a lot of experience. So I, I think they're, they're going to regress on defense and they're almost looking for a new identity on offense. I think they're going to throw the ball on a, a decent amount uh, compared to last year, specifically with the quarterback change. So I don't really know where this team goes from here. Can Fleck get over the Kirk Ferentz hump? He's 0-6 against Ferentz. He has to go to Kinnick this year. I don't think I he does. Not. Uh, and then looking at the rest of the schedule at Ohio State, you're not going to come away with that. Michigan at home, it's another loss. I think Illinois is a better football team. Uh, you get at North Carolina. Again, I don't think you win that football game. Wisconsin to end the year. I just don't see a ton of wins on this schedule. I see here. seven. I see six or seven. And and they're they're right at seven at like minus 110, I think. And yeah. Just, uh, I don't, I'm not sure. Maybe it depends all on week one, you know, with, with, Nebraska coming into town. I would definitely make a difference within that over under win total only sitting at seven Reese parks over under seven for the Gophers, the gilded rodents up in Minneapolis. Where do we see this team over under the seven under under Under. and that includes a win against Nebraska. Let me, I would lean under, but I see seven on the dot and you can't bet push. So that's where I see the Gophers. Schaefer you're seeing seven. Right. You're yeah. Not I, would, I just take the under if, if yeah. you do. I think that's just a unanimous. We would, we're probably going to see seven, but we don't want to side with eight uh, on this football team. That is your gophers to the wait list farther along is the Maryland Terrapins also with a win total at seven. This team is one that's stuck in one of the best divisions in football, but has made progress on the offensive side of the football with Tulia Tunga of Iowa. And where do you see this team going parks? Yeah, the Terps are weird, man. It, it, they find themselves stuck in the middle of that Big Ten beast of the East. Um, so it's tough to be high on them any year. I think the only reason they have any headlines around them, and honestly, I feel like this is the offseason where I've heard them talked about the most. And it, maybe it's because of the experience with Tagle Viola, but it's just, it's in reality, they returned eight starters. They didn't win any impressive games in 22. Uh, they, their wins consisted of Buffalo, Charlotte, SMU, Michigan State, Indiana, Northwestern, and Rutgers. Like none of those wins will blow you away. Yes, they won well, eight and five. Be every game you're favored in, probably. Yeah, and then lost every game you should. Like SMU, honestly, probably the most impressive win there out of that group. Because you want to talk about Michigan State? Sure, they beat Michigan State. That was a 
bad team last year unexpectedly. So it, it, the team was way far down on Mel Tucker for Mel Tucker's group. But on their defense, they add an unexperienced nose tackle transfer from Tennessee, but it's an SEC transfer going to Maryland. So God knows um, how much of a standout player he'll be. Uh, and that's Jordan Phillips is that kid. And, and so maybe I think this team can figure things out if they stop giving up so many points in games against teams that don't suck. They, they give up 30-plus points in every game that matters of any team that's near the top of the Big Ten. Um, totally is good. Let's, let's not uh, – don't put me down on that. But it's not a tough place to play. It's not really football country. And when the Baltimore Ravens are in town, you're always going to be the second biggest show. So uh, let's, let's just not be high on Maryland. I don't, I don't see this team being very successful this year. I, I have a ceiling at seven wins. Yeah, I think that's a really good spot and a really good point. But the bright spot is your playmakers with Tiger Loyo. You have Deshaun Jones back as a leading receiver last year. Even with that loaded receiver room where all three of them depart after kind of like uh, like not very impressive seasons out of the three guys that they thought were going to be all Big Ten caliber. Caden Prather is a guy they brought in, and he is one they really like here in fall camp and after spring ball. The offensive line turns over like – you're going to have to make this kid run for his life just to make plays happen like your average plays. So I think that's a good point at a ceiling of seven. And with that win total at seven, like you, you kind of get a pushover. You get three out of your non-con, like Towson, Charlotte, and Virginia, all teams that are not very good. Um, Towson, a decent FCS program. It's an FCS game. You should win that football game. Um, where do you see this, Reese? Do you see at seven, under? Where do you see the ter- or the Terps? Under because they have when it's actually conference they're playing everybody um they're gonna go under yeah from the west they draw Nebraska Northwestern in Illinois um so Nebraska and Illinois are tougher ones Northwestern is Northwestern as we will speak on later Schaefer do you see over under seven with the Terps is there like any strong opinions you have on this team I I think Parks hit it on the head I think I think over um oh wow defense was maybe you missed my analysis but wow. No, I, I, I hear – I heard everything. I, I just think – last year they were top 50 or outside of the top 50 in offense, and they still won eight games. I think that they're going to take a, a bigger step this year. I just think the defense needs to stay, sol- stay solid. They don't need to be crazy. Mm-hmm. They made some changes at the in the secondary that I think could help them, and they're filling the defensive tackle position as well. I Yeah, I think they could find – is it seven or is it seven and a half? I see seven. Do you it's have seven, seven yeah. and a half somewhere? Yep. I'm taking seven. I think they're going to get to seven for a push. You can't take seven, Schaefer. Yeah, that, that's no, a push. I think, fine. I'm, but I'm going to take the over. It, like, if they get seven, they push and fine. Otherwise, I think they're going to, they can find eight wins. Yeah, I mean, that's a good point on the defense. It's the best defense they've had there in a decade and grab seven returning, but you know, you got to get better against the bully ball and the teams that run the football down your throat majority majority of the time in this conference. I see six and six, seven and five. So I would take the under on this team. Me too. That's just me. Agreed. Again, two, we're staying in the East, actually. We're going to go to the Michigan State Spartans with a win total of over under five and a half. The Spartans took a huge step back a season ago under Mel Tucker right after that big old extension, I think, that gives him $9.5 million a year in East Lansing. Reese, take over the Spartans. Tell us all about this team. Big thing that Michigan State fans are love to hear, they got their quarterback back, Peyton Thorne. It's been a three-year Whoa. starter. Oh, oh, oh. They Balls. didn't. They did not. They didn't? We'll cut that. No. Oh, wait. Mr. Thorne is at all. Don't cut that. Don't cut that. Oh, my bad. Well, I didn't pay attention to Athon there. 
Yeah. Old magazine. Got to go fill steel. I thought I thought missed that on me. Um, but they do bring back uh, Keon Coleman, Jalen Berger. Uh, tough part for their offense though is their offensive line gave up 18 sacks last year. So whoever you got back there, it's not throwing this year. Whatever you got back there, that guy's gonna be running for his life. Not a, not an easy task to do in your court when your line can't block for you like that. Um, also their defense just was atrocious last year. Finished 100 for or the last two years, 101st and 21, and then 111th and 22 in total defense. Um, and so if they can't improve that, um, Scotty Hazleton is gonna probably not find himself a job next year in Lansing. Uh, they did pick up a de- uh, defensive end transfer from Texas A&M, so that'll help out a little bit. Um, they have a very inexperienced secondary that didn't do very well in 22, but like injuries and suspensions plagued the team last year. They in 21 they 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 came out of they came out of nowhere. They were a very good team, 11 and two. Then last year they go five and seven, took a fall that people didn't really expect them to do. Um, Again, it's just going to happen when you don't have the, your team with everybody that you want and guys that are on the field that need to be on there. But five and a half, I think, isn't crazy. I think I could see six. I think a ceiling of seven, they're not they're not going eight or nine or anything like that. But I think saying seven for them, Lansing isn't the most difficult places to play in college football, but it's still a place that can make people uncomfortable. Um, they have a good fan base there. And Mel Tucker, he's, he's been there for a while. There's a reason he got the extension. He's an established coach in the conference, knows how to win, and I think it's a team that that could make a little more noise than some people didn't expect. Yeah, this is an interesting team to me. Um, bad offensive line last Interesting year. how. Interesting how bad they are. <laughs> it's just like you're going to have to rely on Caden Hauser at quarterback who is a like, very highly touted uh, kid, and but he's going to have to go behind the offensive line that was awful last year. Jalen Berger's your leading rusher, and he was, you know, He's not elite, but he gets the job done. And the DBs have been so brutal the last two years, it's hard for me to see it improve. But they just paid all that money into him, and they didn't really get the transfer splash the second time around. Or the third time around, technically. Like, five and a half is right. I see him at five and seven. Um, I Like, Cal Holiday and Darius Snow are going to be the two best linebackers on the core. Um, that's your defensive line is probably to get run through pretty solid and the back end has not shown any life. I think if this team gets to six wins, the fan base should be happy. And and I don't think they're really going to, we talk about how bad that secondary is. They brought in Terry Roberts from Miami in, in June. So you obviously know that they, they still need help. They're still trying to bring in help and defensively they ranked one Oh one, I think in 2021. And then last year they ranked, uh, 111th in total defense. It, it, the defense is not improving. And nope. what does it say about this program when your two best offensive pieces transfer out post spring? Like that, that's got to be like the most alarming thing uh, you can you can see as a fan base. So yeah, that was a that was a really odd little saga that those two went through. Like, and, like, and they said something like, "Did I hear like Coleman said?" He thought it was too cold or something like what? Hey, I Come think on. he's just covering tracks, dude. Yeah, exactly. Um, Terry Roberts, former Iowa Hawkeye, by the way, second transfer. He could literally be playing in Iowa City this year. And, but, you know, people transfer, whatnot. So, Parks, you see over under five and a half. Over. Okay, so we have two overs. I assume Rishi said six, right? Right, yeah, right. I see six. Two overs, two unders. I see Make five. Um, I, I see have five. Four. C4. Well, that's Michigan State, but I th- I have them on the wait list because, you know, 
you have one sample size of a really bad year and one of a really good year. We don't know where Mel Tucker falls in that. So I put him in the wait list thinking maybe, but they are a long shot this year to win the conference. Another team that we have not covered yet. And on the wait list, the Illinois fighting Illini, Brett Bielema and this team had a chance to win the big 10 West twice last year. And they said, no, no, thanks. You guys can go to Indianapolis and get slacked around by Michigan. But funny enough, Illinois is the team that probably should have beat Michigan a year ago in Ann Arbor of all places. This is the best team or best season Illinois had in 15 years. Going back to the juice William days, they lost the division late as I outlined chase Brown being gone and was responsible for 40% of the team's rush yards. That is an astronomical number. 40% of the rush yards came from one kid and chase Brown, the duo of Josh, uh, McCray and Reggie Love will be uh, in the backfield. That's like a little bit of uh, more of a power in McCray and a little bit more speed in Love. Three return the offensive line. That's Bielema's specialty. They're going to be just fine. I think that's going to be another good offensive line. Isaiah Williams is the best receiver in the Big Ten that doesn't get talked about. He doesn't get talked about. He has he led the Big Ten in yards after catch a season ago, and nobody outlined it. I'm not saying he's the best receiver in the Big Ten. He is the best of the rest that nobody ever talks about. Uh, kids a stud and an absolute uh, flash of lightning. Luke Altmeyer, we outlined in our top transfers into the conference, super high ceiling, higher than DeVito. And DeVito gave Illinois everything that they needed and more um, after his one year at Syracuse came down to Illinois and really helped them. Uh, I think your high-end Altmeyer is going to be able to make bigger plays, bigger throws. Maybe you lose some consistency in the accuracy department, uh, but you really hope that this kid just takes the reins and runs with the job after getting his first you know, chance at really starting a full season uh, after his time at Ole Miss. The defense is going to be solid. Again, that was the, the best defense in the NFL a season ago, or NFL, woof, in the Big oh, Ten a season ago. They lose three guys to the NFL and picks it from the secondary. And your defensive coordinator, Ryan Walters, who takes over in division at Purdue. They're going to possess a very strong defensive line, and the linebacking core is going to be above serviceable. This is a team that is – I see this with your win total where it is at six and a half. I think anywhere from six to eight wins is not crazy. I think this team could win eight games. Um, could they win nine even if they get a really good offensive you know, output from a new quarterback and um, a one-two punch where they find the hot hand each week in the running back room? The defense is going to be solid whether Walters leaves or not. This is just what Bielema does. He uh, creates winners. He creates teams that um, don't beat themselves. Is it odd last year that they did so? Yeah, that's very uncharacteristic, and I don't think you'll see a second year where they do that. Um, can the secondary jump from 2022? Probably not, but it needs to try to stay a little bit um, more even with that group. I see over. I think this is a team that could easily win nine games if things fall the right direction in the West. Um, at Kansas, week two is interesting. These are two teams that are going to be very different. Kansas ain't going to stop them. I'll tell you that right now. Can Illinois keep the Jayhawks out of the end zone in week two? But then you go to Penn State right after that. And then you kind of like wait a little bit. Wisconsin, Minnesota, Iowa, uh, Nebraska. They get Nebraska at home and Wisconsin at home, but they go to Minnesota and Iowa. This is a team that could win nine and win the West. They're winning I mean, that I, game I at Kansas. Think. What? They're winning that game at Kansas. I certainly think so, but if we're still not high on Big Twelve hater, still not changing it. Uh, when you see this team get talked about in a lot of previews, I think it's kind of mixed. I think there's some teams that think seven win- wins is the ceiling, and then I think there's a lot of teams uh, or a lot of guys that think this is a West Dark Horse team. I kind of side with that, team. to be honest with you. 
Um, we talked about defensively losing Walters. Aaron Henry steps in. He's a former uh, player for Bielema. So I think the scheme is going to stay the same. And it yeah. really doesn't matter because I think he brings back a lot of talent that's going to help him. Like Jerzon Newton and Keith Randolph Jr. are probably two of the best defensive linemen in the conference. Like it's going to be a very good defensive line. We talked about the linebacker position that you mentioned, JP. So the front seven is going to help out that secondary. I know we talked about the secondary being probably the weakest position on defense, but when you get enough pressure and you can fill the gaps in the run game, it mm-hmm. makes the jobs for the corners and second uh, the safeties a lot easier. Um, and then offensively, I think Altmeyer, it, it kind of, can he change the trajectory of this offense? I think it kind yeah. of relies on him. I think the receivers are going to help him out. I think it's a good receiver room, but we'll kind of see on that side of the ball. I think the first four games of the year, I think it's kind of a it's kind of a tough non-conference if if we're going to be honest for their standards, anyways. Toledo is is no slouch in the MAC at Kansas. You know we talked about the offensive productivity they bring in. It's going to be tough to stop in Lawrence. Um, and Florida Atlantic is another G five team that I think is going to be solid in Tom Herman's first year. So we'll see how they start that first four games. Yeah, over under at but I have six and a half. What do we see? Over, over, easy. over. I, I think a unanimous over is right where I saw this team. This team could win eight or nine. That's where I see them. Eight or nine wins on the season. Um, you can sneak up and beat Nebraska, or Wisconsin, Minnesota, Iowa. Any, any four of those teams, I think you could win all of them in the West. Um, no I think your Ohio State, no Michigan helps. Yeah, one hundred percent. No Ohio State, no Michigan. They do play Penn State at home, and so you'd miss a lot. Uh, from the east, that's really scary. You grab Indi- Indiana, Penn State, uh, and Maryland. And Maryland's interesting too. Like you could go to Maryland and lose that football game, depending on what we see from the Terps. To the long shots, we no, jump. no, 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 no. So what? Nebraska's. We have not talked on Nebraska. I have them. We moved them. You got them. We moved them. Oh, we moved them. Remember? Move them into the wait list. Yes. No, we didn't. Actually, they were standard. You, oh, you put them in there. Yeah, no, no, we never moved them. They're where they should be, Schaefer, but I'm going to be real. I'm not – I think the wait list is a good spot. All right, let's, let's move into them then. I, I, I didn't take a ton of notes on them because I wanted Parks that kind of outlined a new team no, that I, was yeah, making a lot either. of changes. Yeah, I'll take uh, – I took zero notes on them because I lived this life, man. Uh, I'm going to be real with you. Uh because I, I try and be as realistic as possible, but I do throw the rosy red glasses on at some points throughout the offseason. I won't lie to you, but I didn't for this. I didn't. Are we going time out? It's okay if can you we, did. Can, can I nope, hear, I did not. Another, hey, didn't they go, can, didn't they Parks, work this with like 12-0 a couple years ago? Yeah, can I get another 10-2 and two prediction, please? Can we run through the schedule again? Just calm I mean, down, I Iowa State. Prediction. <laughs> Maybe we should let our quarterback bet on our team. Maybe we'd fucking win. <laughs> He Listen. probably did. No, he didn't. Casey Thompson's a saint. saint. <laughs> Listen. Listen. Okay, so after the way last year ended, Nebraska beats Iowa for the first time in seven years or six years or whatever it was. And going through college in the state of Iowa during that stretch was about the mi- most miserable point of my existence in those six years. So after they beat Iowa, you bet your fucking ass I was as high. I was, I mean, I was on, you could have hired Desmond Howard and I was doing backflips the morning after that game. I could, I didn't have to hear it for another year. It was great. There, there was nothing that could be wrong. When I step back and look at it, Matt Rule, 
is a program hire. It, it's mu- it's much different than the last three two hires we made after Bo Pelini, right? You go get Mike Riley, certified loser, and after that, it's not a guy that you're looking to build up the program that Mike Riley kind of threw under the rug, but a guy that I think anybody in the country would have taken because he had a successful season with UCF and Scott Frost. Uh, it wasn't a guy that really – you were looking for a jump from 4-7 and seven to 12-0 and 0, and not a real program builder that's going to develop these kids with recruiting and things like that. Matt Rule is that. He's proven to be that, um, both at Temple and at Baylor. And both of those situations, not as much Temple because they didn't have an allegation, but there were mo- much worse situations in Nebraska's in. It's not like Nebraska's not talented. They just weren't coached well and weren't disciplined, and had lost a lot of games in the fourth quarter for him. So he's coming in with a less empty deck, but it's just I don't know how the schematics are going to work. I didn't love the hire of Marcus Satterfield. I like Tony White. I don't know how I feel about the three three five in the Big Ten, but we'll feel it out. But I really it don't have any better on that three three five. Iowa State does run it and has had a plenty of success against teams like Iowa that are in the West. So I it's a, it's purely scheme and what you can do with it. But yeah, again. It does. It does help. I did not know that, that they ran that. But it's just a defense where I'm unsure of. I think the on the defensive side of the ball, the highlight's going to be our linebacker room. It always is. Um, Malcolm Hartzog on the defensive back side of the ball, he was a name that I thought was going to leave like a houseman because he is a stud and had a great success, uh, a super successful freshman season last year with three picks and a return block punt for a touchdown. So it's a guy that you're not going to see the ball thrown in his direction. They bring in Corey Collier, the Florida transfer, and they also bring in MJ Sherman, who played and started 39 games at Georgia. So I think they added pieces on the defensive side of the ball to have a successful year. But one thing I've noticed about this coaching staff, especially within the first couple of weeks of fall camp, is they're blatantly honest. Matt Rule came out yesterday and said, we had a shitty practice today. We weren't getting out of the huddle. We weren't good on the defensive side of the ball, but we were better than offense. But he, they're being straightforward and, and really – Based on his track record, I do not know how bad this year is going to be. I wouldn't say I'm high on him. I think Nebraska's going to be in the 6-6, six and 7-5 six, and five range top. That's the top, top of what I think is possible for this team because it's not the world's easiest schedule. It's the fourth straight year we've started on the road in conference, which is bullshit. But it's the offensive side of the ball, I think, is going to be the bright spot. I think our running back room is absolutely loaded. Um, I think Jeff Sims is a good addition, and I think Henrik Harburg is going to back him up, who's a very good option quarterback with that has a cannon. And not a lot of people mm-hmm. know that name, but he's very good. And then Billy Kemp, Virginia transfer, comes into the wide receiver position. He'll be wide receiver number one. He was rated in their new system, the toughest guy on the team, just the most football-headed guy, but that could be because he was brought in by the new staff. But maybe people don't know this, but Xavier Betts quit the team yesterday. So that was going to be wide receiver number two, a super successful player before he left last somebody, year for personal uh, reasons. Didn't somebody transfer out last week too? Uh, I mean, not last week, but Alante Brown left um, a while ago. He went to Michigan State. That would have been a guy that would have made an impact. Um, I'm trying to think who you were – because somebody threw, flirted their name in the portal, but they didn't actually go. Um, Isaiah Gar- Castaneda, Garcia Castaneda. Yeah, I, IGC is what they call him. He is a, a good player, left and went to the portal right after Mickey Joseph didn't get the job, came back because either nobody wanted him or the he lo- fell in love with the new staff. Not a team guy, but a good player. And then I, you got to mention on the offensive line, they bring in Ben Scott to take over the center position, who is first team all-conference at Arizona State. Good lineman. We need more pieces like that. But anytime Bryce Benhart's on the field at left tackle, I have no faith in that side of the line. That guy's a rolling turd. Um, let me Let me – 
pose a couple questions for you. Okay. Right. Marcus Washington also Miles, hurt by Miles the way. Farmer. Miles Farmer sound like the one we're talking about. Yes, not yes, that's who it is. Um, Good call. Not the wide receiver. When you look at Nebraska, it hasn't been the skill positions that people have been worried about around Lincoln and around, you know, Cornhusker country. And I, I don't know if it's as true there as it is elsewhere, but it seems like a lot of, you know, areas and podcaster shows and college football talkers, it's the trenches. It's defensive line and offensive line. Have you seen uh, outside of like a couple of dishes, is it going to be better or are they going to get pushed around a little more in those trenches or where do you see kind of this progression going? It's hard because they did get exposed, not in the three, three, five. I, I don't know how it's going to fit. I think Blaze Gunnerson, close family friend, shout out Blaze. Um, I think he's going to play a huge role on the defensive line. Ty Robinson's an on and off guy. He's it's 50, he's going to give 110% on one play and make the play, and then he'll take the next seven and give you 75%. So it's a frustrating guy. They, I don't know. I, I really don't know, but you're exactly right. And I, But I think Matt Rule puts an emphasis on the winning the trenches, and that's really what you need to do yeah, in the Big Ten to be yeah. successful. So uh, we'll see how it adjusts. I don't think they brought in enough new faces to make the world a difference because a lot of the offensive linemen returned, but they were young, have experience now. And coaching decisions in general for Nebraska are going to be huge in terms of their success long term because Scott Frost might have been the worst all-time fourth quarter coach I've ever seen. I mean, if we get the ball with two minutes left and the other team has three timeouts, they're getting the ball with a minute and 57 seconds left. it It was insane. We couldn't close a game. So we could win one score games now and then that we couldn't win the last four years. Uh, I'm excited for it, but yes, the trenches are utmost importance, and I don't like the depth in our defensive line enough to say it's going to be a successful change. 100%. That win total currently sits at six with the Huskers. I think there's a lot to look forward to. Is this the year that it shows its head? Maybe. Um, I, I think you you have to rely on Jeff Sims to be uh very consistent and a good passer and a guy that can open things up with his legs. And I think that scheme is going to allow him to do so. It's just pure comfortability because he has the running back stable behind him and the weapons on the outside at six over under for the Scurs parks. I'll let you lead off six. Is the I, I think six is a perfect number. I think you push, I wouldn't touch it with the 10 foot pole. Yeah. I was going to say if, if push is what you're getting, then you got to take the under. So I'm yeah. going to go under. Reese. Yeah, I can't, I can't comfortably say seven, but if, I mean, if they win their three non-conference, I don't think it's crazy that they can make they can make a bowl game this year. If they win all three of their non-conference, I don't think it's crazy they can. I think they should win all three non-con. They should. They should. They should. But if, uh, if I think you're at Minnesota week one, or or your Maryland game are going to be the difference between you getting between six or seven. Yeah, that's fair. Five and seven, or, or seven and five. Um, those two games are your toss-up games. Um, I think you should you should go on a little run here. You're going to play uh, Michigan and Illinois back-to-back. That's a tough little deal. Then you have your bye week, but you should rattle off three, maybe four in a row when you go Northwestern, Purdue, Michigan State, Maryland. It's possible you run three and one there. It's possible you go four and zero oh through there. Um, I, you definitely should win the first two. And then at Michigan State, again, we're not high on the Spartans, but who knows? It's weird stuff uh, in the transfer portal era. I see them right at six and six. I would lean over. I think they get a Minnesota or they get a Maryland, but who knows? That's Sounds to me, Jordan, that. like that, uh, that Iowa game is not as much in question as you think it should be. Uh, it didn't mention it, but it's a tough football. 
it should not be a toss up. Nebraska played Iowa's brand be. of football, which is why they beat beat them last year. Nebraska did what that Iowa does to other teams. The worst football game I've ever watched. And I enjoyed it. Is awful. It is the worst football game I've ever watched. And I watched them play Iowa State earlier in the year. <laughs> um, to the long shots we go. Parks, actually, we're going to start off with Rutgers, and I believe you're in charge of the Scarlet Knights here. So if you want to roll right into these guys, um, I don't know I don't know what all you want to outline other than Shiano in his second stint not necessarily getting much better. Yeah, no. I, the, Rutgers, Rutgers, Rutgers. Man, uh, I love the hype that the students and alumni have that they'll like create these big games when they're really not. Nobody ever marks Rutgers down on the Big Ten schedule. as like, we got to win this one. Um it, it, this team is the literal doormat of this conference. I think they they haven't been competitive since they've been in. Like you said, they brought in Greg Shano, who's in his fourth year back with the school, trying to reignite yeah. the spark. Uh, he just hasn't. They they did not have the world's worst defense last year. They were ranked 63rd in the country and, and on that side of the ball, and they held some some offenses to lower scores than they were used to. But on the offensive side of the ball, holy shit, man, this team is bad. They ranked 98th in total offense last year, and they have to improve. If they don't want to go 4-8 and eight again, they have to improve. But I think the ceiling for this team is 4. So I, I don't think there's a way around for this team to just be terrible, get walked all over, and another on the toughest side of the Big Ten. Um, I think the one standout player that's going to be a new face in this offense could be Sam Brown. He ran for 350 yards, just over 350 yards on 86 attempts last year as a, in a backup role. So he'll be the kind of the new face that you might get a spark from, but it's Rutgers, man. They, you just go in and you either beat them or or just beat the shit out of them. There's not really an option outside of it, but they compete in games for like two quarters if they shouldn't, and then they end up getting smoked. That's just kind of who Rutgers is, and I, I don't think Shiano gets it done here or figures it out ever. Yeah, Shiano hired a new offensive coordinator and paid him $1.4 million. How do they even have that money? How does Rutgers have that money? They've been making a lot of money at basketball games. I don't know. It's expensive in the Northeast. Guys. Maybe those tax money. The tax dollars came down and put it in the offensive coordinator hire. Um, Gavin Wimsett seems to be your quarterback at, um, of the future, and he's going to be the starter. More of a dual threat guy. Going to go with an RPO scheme in the new hire, the offensive coordinator. Wide receiver room is not great, but the defense is your bright spot for 2022. This is a team that significantly improved into the top 40 in the country and brings back 72% of returning production. Like there's your, you know, there's your silver lining on a team that was awful on offense last year. Like they got better on defense. Do Mm -hmm. they get, they take another step? I don't know, but uh, not in the East division that I see a win total of four and a half fellas. Anybody want to gamble with five and seven or bull eligibility? I'll say no, I'll say below. I'll say under. I think they could they start three and zero again. Yeah, no, that's the king of Rutgers. They started three and zero last year and ended four and eight. They 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 love starting off hot. Maryland does that too. I mean, five isn't crazy, fellas. Listen, listen to this: Northwestern, Temple, Virginia Tech. There's three, or maybe three. Wagner in Indiana. At Indiana, yeah. There's your. That's your fifth win right there. You have to win those. You're not winning any other one. No, but I, I'm not going to sit there and say that. I don't know if we can pose the question that much. Like, are we thinking five? Like five fucking wins? Come on. But I, I don't want to be the guy to be like, yeah, I could see him having five. It's still Rutgers. I'm not confident this offense is just going to change because they don't have the playmakers or a proven quarterback even. So, I'll take under. Under. Under as well. Yeah. 
under. Okay. Ooh. I thought Reese was going to come with an emphatic over right Confident. there. <laughs> that is like, a Whoa, the breaks, Reese. Reese, let's talk about Northwestern. All right. Well, bad news, <laughs> Northwestern fans. <laughs> All of your games are in America this year where you have not won since week six of 2021 where you had a uh, – you ran Rutgers at home by a score of 21 to 7. So – it's going to be a tough year for you guys. Just, just a heads up. All your games are in America. Um, new head coach. Obviously, we had the allegations going on. Um, hopefully, he changes some parts about the culture. Um, hopefully. Hopefully. Um, only bringing back two starters on the offense and an offense at average. Uh, not even two touchdowns last year. They were 13.8 points a game, so not even two touchdowns. Um, and they had 31 turnovers. So that's just not a equation to score a lot of points, win ball games. But then again, only bringing back two guys. Maybe it's a good thing. Who knows? Who knows? Um, they lost their 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 stud hole to the draft last year. He was kind of their the highlight of that offense. They did replace it with Cam Porter, who did play well in twenty one before he injured himself. So there's kind of that bright spot. I think there's what they're going to want to uh, rely on. Brendan Sullivan had some starts last year, but didn't finish out starting because obviously he didn't play very well. Um, and they really didn't do a whole lot for their in the portal because it's Northwestern. It's like a Stanford. It's, it's hard, they to, did, hard to get They did get Ben Bryant. They got one guy. Yeah, they got one guy. They got Cam Johnson from Arizona State, but I'm saying they didn't do a whole lot. It's a school where it's harder to pick up transfers. Yes. Um, they got. They have both their linebackers are coming back, um, an experienced secondary, but again, it's an offense that just doesn't score a whole lot of points, so it's going to be hard to win ball games. The defense can get as much stops as they want, but if that, defense, if that offense isn't going to score, it's just going to be tough. They have a... Um, they're non-conference. They gotta win two of them, I think. But I would they hope got they win Duke. two of them. Yeah, they 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 gotta they gotta they gotta beat UTEP and Howard. They're not beating Duke. I don't know. I mean, this is a Northwestern team that's gonna struggle this year, man. UTEP's probably iffy. Howard, you should win first. Sure. Minors. But then, but then after that, man, you got Penn State at home. You're at Nebraska. You got Iowa for a neutral site game in Chicago, but still at Wisconsin, Trash. at Illinois. No Michigan or Ohio State, which is big for them, but it's again, it's a team that's <laughs> not going to be. This is maybe this not year. the year where you know expectations are already so low that you care about not drawing Michigan or Ohio State. Yeah. I think you want to yeah. save that <laughs> for a year that you have it's a little weird. more. Like Northwestern is usually they come off an awful year, then all of a sudden Fitzgerald leads them to like yep. a good season. This 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 is not it. This isn't that year. Um, they did bring in Ben Bryant, a quarterback from Cincinnati, that is uh, like maybe a bright spot in the transfer portal. But it, again, there's a depleted. Wide receiver room, a depleted running back room that loses Hull, a depleted offensive line. The defense was the bright spot in the secondary. They couldn't stop the run, though, so teams could run the football and just open up the pass anyway on this team. A win total of three in the West Division, picked most places to finish last. By the way, I thought of this today. I was listening to a couple of people talk. You don't need to say like necessarily what their number is to win the Big Ten. It's massive. If somebody said to you, I will give you um, plus 100 odds for Northwestern to win one game. They just have to win one. Oh, I take that. I'm taking that shit. How I'm much How much are you taking out? Are you taking out a mortgage? Are you selling your car? How much are you they putting on them? To win one? Yeah. They got to win one plus game? 100. One Big Ten game. One Big Ten oh, one game, big sorry. Ten one Big Ten game. No. Oh, shit. No. Okay, but it's plus easy. 100. Right. You get, you're getting plus money out of it. Just one. No, no. The Big Ten stipulation, the Big Ten stipulation is the tough draw there, right? So, yeah, uh, no thanks. One Big Ten game. You had to hope Rutgers week one isn't ready to play. 
That's about it. I, I it's just interesting to look at like I think, if I give you that good of odds, you're not gonna even like think about it. I don't know, man. Like ten dollars. And the over under win total might be again one of the easier bets of this. Of the yeah, year. it's under, under for me. You're stealing. It's an me. under for me. Sports book. I might throw a little twenty down on that. Just have a little fun with it. But <laughs> I'm hoping week if 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 they don't win week one, that ain't happening. Don't look back when November 18th they beat Purdue with 65 mile an hour wins in Evanston. Evanston, <laughs> it's 65 mile an hour wins, three nothing Northwestern. Lake. It's on the lake, man. The breeze is heavy. Another long shot in this conference to Purdue Boilermakers with a win total of five and a half, going through a coaching change in a couple other turnover spots on this team. Ryan Walters will make his debut in West Lafayette as he brings a defensive mind to the team and a program that hasn't had one of those in a while, but he did grab Graham Harrell and maybe he's going to stick with a little more air raid, a little more, you know, aired out. And he grabs Hudson card immediately after the hire of Harrell. They got the guy they wanted to. Um, you have a decent running back stable. I don't think there's anything that's going to blow you away on that side. You lose your leading receiver in Charlie Jones, uh, but they always seem to have somebody that's next and ready to step up. That tight end Garrett Miller is going to be their best receiver. Um, and pass catcher for the entire the entire year. Can Hudson Card make a step up? I am not sure. I don't know if Purdue's – I think it's going to take a little bit of time to get way better on defense and to establish an offensive line and other playmakers into that scheme, but I think Walters was the right hire. The defense will improve from that, just getting a defensive-minded head coach in there. They're going to be solid in the interior, but um, two new linebacker starters. You have to rebuild the secondary completely. They're not going to know and understand this scheme completely um, throughout this first year and first cycle of recruiting. Yanni Karloftis and Nick Carraway are your two headliners. Those are going to be the two. If somebody's talking Purdue defense or somebody's talking about this Boilermaker team, those are the two names that are going to pop up. Uh, Karloftis, whose brother was also uh, a Boilermaker at one point in time, is going to be an NFL draft pick someday. But if he doesn't have help throughout the rest of the defense, it ain't going to matter how many how much opportunity he gets to get after the quarterback because the ball is going to be out of his hands or they're going to be running the football uh, and gashing a defense that was not great a season ago over under five and a half for the Boilermakers um, this is this one's a tough one for me because I could see Walters like improving the defense a little bit and maybe that offense hits a little stride like Hudson Card's not a bad quarterback I don't think he's the wrong hire or wrong get and I don't think Graham Harrell's the wrong hire. They're not necessarily changing that scheme completely. They're going to stay with a little more pass-heavy look. But when your non-con is Syracuse, Fresno State, and Virginia Tech, how many do you get out of that? Yourself out there. No. You better hope you get two. I think you can get two. I think you can get the Virginia Tech and Fresno State one. Like Syracuse, maybe, but maybe you don't beat Fresno State. Who knows? Like that's a Power Five or G Five school that after the hire was all right last year, but we'll see where they're at after the season. Um, I don't know. Over under five and a half, fellas. Where do we see this team going? Tough con- tough, tough schedule, under. I'm going to say over. I think they're going to get to six wins. Where do you see your six, if you don't mind outlining? No, yeah. Indiana, last game of the year, at Northwestern. I think they'll yep. get two of the three between Fresno, Virginia Tech, and Syracuse. Maybe all three. So there's four. Um, uh, where was the two other more. one? I think Minnesota, Michigan, Nebraska, Iowa, Illinois, Ohio State. Yeah. I, I need two. 
I think, yeah, maybe you're, uh, maybe you're right. I guess I, don't, I just don't think the schedule lines up for it. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't think I you at, you draw. Minnesota, this is what you draw from the East. Yeah. You draw Michigan and Ohio State and Indiana. Like, okay, I didn't say it and Indiana, but you draw Indiana as well. You don't grab like you grab the best of the best from the East. Yeah, that's true. I think Minnesota and at Nebraska are two toss up. Win a bowl, they, but like we're gonna grab your six win. But I'm yeah. I'm not picking Purdue to win in Lincoln this year. I'm sorry, not this year, not week one. Um, but, but this is a team that uh, people forget won the West last year. How no one knows. It's the worst team to ever win a division in the history of college football. Um, but it's interesting to look at the hire they made and. I think Walt was Walter's just ready for a head coaching job, maybe, but that's not. This is not where I thought he'd end up getting um, or landing, even within the same division of his old um, stomping grounds in Champaign. Did I miss anybody? The Hoosiers. I did miss the Hoosiers. <laughs> the Indiana Hoosiers. Schaefer. Let's easy talk to Hoosier miss. Football. Easy to miss. And you start, yeah. yeah, you start to forget about some teams. Those last, those last four teams. It gets rough. About. It gets rough. It gets very rough, and I'll keep this one pretty short. I, I just – I don't think – I'm sorry. I, he seems like a likable guy, but I'm not – I don't think Tom Allen's a very good coach. Um, coming off of last year's 4-8 and eight season, I think what they win two games the year prior, I kind of see the same thing going into this year. Is is it time to, to move on? I kind of think so. I think this is a coach that's probably on the hot seat. You bring in Tevin Jackson from uh, Tennessee. He's going to be the freshman under center this year. He's going to have a rough, rough first year in, in his in his Big Ten debut. Cam Camper is the receiver one option, but arguably your best weapon is coming off an ACL injury. So, yep. yeah, it's just yikes. And 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 they bring in uh, the, a new offensive line coach from Wisconsin to try to improve the offensive line. That's probably where they lacked the most last year. wasn't great. Um, and and defensively, I, I think they're. They won't be very good. There's not a there's not a ton. They they went through the portal a ton to try to change the defensive line. Andrew Carter had 37 sacks at Western Michigan, but the Big Ten offensive line is night and day difference compared to the MAC offensive line. So will, will they they start at Ohio or Ohio State at home to start the year, and then Louisville the third game of the year. Those are two two or three tough starts. Um, to your season and then you got at Michigan and at Maryland when you really get into Big Ten play so the the first half of the year does not start out favorable for this team I think they're going to take lumps along the way uh, I see a lot of four and eight projections but probably three and nine for me in, I tell you uh, right where this team's gonna be fighting for that over under three and a half is the old oak and bucket last week of the season at Purdue that's <laughs> gonna be a, I tell you what that's appointment television if you're not tuning in Boilermaker Hoosiers in 2023 I don't know what you're doing that might be on ESPN Plus. <laughs> I was gonna say that might be on. ESPN. I heard it's the the Nickelodeon crossover for the NCAA this year, the splash yeah. zone and all that. <laughs> oh, the slime zone when they score. Yeah, the slime zone, whatever. It's Cut called. that out. That's that's the game they threw on there. I have three wins, three and nine, under, under three and nine, perfect. Under, confident, Reese. Confident three and nine imagine, right there. Imagine being imagine having your over under set that low and you open up the season at, with Ohio State. That'd be tough, huh? Ah, I mean, this is not the Indiana of the COVID year anymore. Like this is just said it's tough to win football games at Indiana. And it's really tough to do when you've literally just gone downhill since that year. Um, that wraps it up for our team tier breakdowns. We've gone through every team within the Big Ten. We're ready to do some predictions. 
rolling directly into the toughest schedule within the conference is? I have Minnesota. Yeah, I think I was going to go Minnesota. I think that was going to be my – it kind of gets – yeah, I'm going to go Minnesota as well. Reese, I'm 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 torn between two of them. Mine was between Purdue and Rutgers. Um, I'm gonna go with Purdue though. I think Purdue's a tough one too. Uh, I had Ohio State down. If that makes anybody feel a that's, certain way, that's not a bad one. I thought I thought no, about that I, I just I saw um, at Notre Dame as one of your non cons. You have to play at Wisconsin too. Minnesota, so you grab the majority of your West grabs is Minnesota high end. Wisconsin from the other end and Purdue. So two of those three are solid. You have to play at Michigan, at Wisconsin, at Notre Dame. Like those are tough Texas ones, State. man. And like I could see Purdue too, though. That's a that's a good poll. Um, easiest schedule within the conference resides in. <laughs> I, I, I knew it. I was sitting. I wrote them down. I wrote them down. Okay. I wrote them down. Don't worry. Don't even. Pump your chest over there. I also had Wisconsin down just in case I wanted to be contested. Team plays three road games, bro. They play they play three road games. They play four. They play four. Oh, and the four tough one, fellas. They play at Iowa State. That's I mean Schaefer's playing quarterback for Iowa State. <laughs> it's possible. Uh at Penn State, at Wisconsin, at Nebraska. Guys, those are tough road games though, at least. Like at Iowa State, at Penn State, at Wisconsin, at Nebraska. I've, I've seen much tougher not easy places to on, on other teams' schedule. All right. I'm just saying these aren't easy. These aren't easy places to win. But I did have them written down. Again, there's no reason this team doesn't win the West. Um, most important games of the 2022 college football season is? Everybody say the home. one that everybody knows, right? Everybody's yeah, got the game? Yeah, I do not. The game, yeah. Michigan, Ohio State. Did not write that yeah, down. Move on. So, Okay. You don't have the game? What? This kid's on track. He's just trying to be different. He's just I'll tell you why. Cool. I'll tell you why. Because Penn State, Ohio State's way more important. Um, I was going to say I, Michigan, Penn State was import, more important. Well, they're all going to beat each other. Three-way tie. October 21st, that is Penn State at Ohio State. I think if there's a situation where you're fighting for a chance to only have one loss at the end of the year, I mean, I guess you could go any direction in that triangle of games, but that's the one I picked out. I'll throw a different one out there. I got a different one, too. Okay. Iowa, Wisconsin. Who? What? I'll throw Iowa, Wisconsin. Wisconsin, Iowa, Wisconsin. I have Wisconsin. Wisconsin. Iowa at Wisconsin's a huge game. That's your. That should be your Big Ten West Championship, and it's way earlier in the year. That's my thoughts. Schaefer, do you have another one that's not that one? I thought I thought Penn State uh, or Michigan at Penn State was, was bigger than the Ohio State one. I, I just think. I don't see Penn State winning that game in the horseshoe, um, but I think they legitimately could get Michigan at home. So mm-hmm. to really stir up the the East in that way, so that was that was the one I thought was tougher. Yeah, I guess you could uh, pick any of that tri- that triangulation of games uh, within those three teams. The sleeper within this conference is Illinois. 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 But can you consider Penn State a sleeper? I don't. I think some people don't think this team can win the East. I, that's I exactly the question I wrote, Schaefer, is can you consider Penn State in that? I, I don't think so, can but I, that's who I would say. I could, Penn State can win but this conference. Like, I, I think Sleeper, like a team that's like maybe they're good, maybe they're not. Like Penn State sh- should be good. Yeah. They're preseason and whether they're picked third in that division or not. Yeah, they're preseason top ten in the country. 
I, I, I went with Illinois. I think they could win the West. Second pick, if not. Illinois was your second pick. Parks, did you have one? No, uh, yeah, I, no, Penn State. I mean, if we we're going to consider them, then yes, them. Okay, perfect. I mean, I a think, team that yeah. gets picked third in their division, they have to be able eligible to be a sleeper, right? No, because they're ranked in the top ten. Best of, yeah, the top. But they're third in their division. They're not even picked to go to the conference title. Yeah, dude. I don't know, man. Come on, I get, it's a three-way tie, dude. It's, a, it's an absolute shit fest in Big Ten East. I see what you're saying. I understand. Trust me, I do. Division. The coach of the year within this conference will be James Franklin, Ryan Day. Yeah, Ryan James Day. Franklin. Split down the middle. Is this because that team wins the con? Nope. Don't tell me. Nope. Yeah. Just stay with that. Yep. Don't tell me. Player well, of the year I mean, within I'll, the conference is. I what? think if, even if they lose the tiebreaker and they go eleven and one, I think. Franklin could still win coach of the year or coach of the year in the conference. He could. I don't think he will if he doesn't win the conference based on the history of who coach of the year is. Not one of us said Mr. Harbaugh, by the way. That should mm. tell you something for uh, future predictions. Mm. Uh, player of the year within the conference is Harrison. Marvin Harrison Jr. Talalia. I, I had. Uh, whoa, 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 whoa. whoa. <laughs> That, Why, that belongs in hot takes. That belongs in hot takes. I think he could get up to like 3,500 yards this year. Win him eight games. I think he needs offensive line East. helper. He'll be lucky to play all 12 games. Win, win, win eight or nine games in that division. Put up insane numbers. Did we fast forward to hot takes? He's kind of a quarterback centric. Did we fast forward to hot takes? <laughs> this is crazy. This is. I put Blake Corum. Uh, my only issue with that is that he's going to split carries with Donovan Edwards, yep. and um, his health. I dude, but kind of like Braylon Allen at Wisconsin could be your player of the year as well. Like if they break out and he has an, another incredible year, and he gets most of those carries, who knows? I've seen crazier mm-hmm. things in life. Uh, this is uh, time for our hot take though. Or no, let's go to our conference title prediction. Let's go to our conference title prediction. Conference title, your champion from the East is who? And who do they play from the West? Uh, Ohio, Ohio State. State plays Iowa. Ohio State, Wisco, and I think only because Ohio State wins the three-way tie with the toughest schedule. Reese. Ohio State plays Iowa. It's the exact one I have. Ohio State, Iowa in that one. Wow. Schaefer? Uh, I, think. I just can't. Where are they going to get in that tiebreaker? Not smelling uh, a lot I'm of Michigan go, here. I'm going to go Michigan. Michigan, Illinois. All right, that's good. That's good. We almost we would have discredited ourselves if Michigan rolls to back-to-back-to-back, <laughs> and none of us even had them in there. No, I don't no, I just – I don't know. I guess I don't know. I just – For me – I think the West is going to be a shit show again. I don't think Wisconsin is as good as everybody thinks they are going to be in year one. And I'm not, I'm not counting out some shit storm to happen if Brian Ferentz is an offensive coordinator. I just, I, I got to see it. So, Iowa wins the West, or it's a failure of a year. Ohio State in two or three selections: Michigan in one, Illinois in one, Iowa in two, Wisconsin in one. In that. Um, Conference title picture. Our hot take for the season leads off with Reese. I said it before, but Michigan misses the college football playoff. They're going to have two losses. I I mean, hot take? Yee. 
Yeah, that's a hot take. Depends what you think what happens with the East, man. That's a hot take. Compared to the college football realm, that's a that's a hot take. There's a lot of people out there saying this yeah. is Michigan's year. Schaefer. Is it a hot take to say that there's not going to be an undefeated undefeated team in the East this year? No. No, I wouldn't say so. Because I agree, cold. but uh yeah, it's not it's not cold. Okay, then circle back. Everybody name theirs. Come for the new I got one. Another one too. Ten second microwave. <laughs> okay. That's a ten second microwave. It's a little warm. Uh Parks, you got a prediction for me? I don't know if it would be a I don't know how many people would agree with this, but I think the Big Ten East ends in a three way tie. I really do. I think that all of those teams go eleven and one, and that's really hard to say because it's hard imagining three separate teams not having a slip up anywhere. But I really don't yeah. think the quality of those teams and what they return, I don't think it's possible. So I think all three of them go eleven and one and beat each other. I could see that. One hundred percent could see that. Reese, you're just raising your hand. I, say, I have another one that I'm just gonna say a non quarterback is gonna win the Heisman from this conference too. From this conference, even. From this conference. Got to be Blake Corum, right? No, he had Marvin Harrison yeah. Marvin Harrison Jr. as his. You got to put up some fucking numbers to win it as a wide receiver. I got, I got one. Do you have one, or do you need me to go? Did you, like, there throw you it go. in the microwave? Go. Like, go first. You haven't yours. The Big Ten will finish with four teams within the top 15 of the final college football playoff poll. Four teams. Last year, it was only three, and that was barely with uh, – Penn State just within the top 15. They will have four in the top 15. Do you have one of them at 15, or could you even say there would be four teams in a 12-team playoff? Like, do, would you have four oh, in the top 12? There would be four within a 12-team playoff with ease. Wow. With ease. If, I think that's crazy. Here's, here's, here's one. If, if Penn State cannot beat both Michigan and Ohio State again this year, James Franklin will be on your – Top candidates for the hot seat going into 2024. Oh, we didn't beat Michigan for the last two years. Fire Ryan Day. Yeah, you're idiots. Listen, Listen, as a product, take the 10 wins, man. Take them. (laughs) Take the 10 wins. It's okay. Take it and give you worth. It's okay to win 10 games, guys. Remember that. Especially. when the 12 team playoffs coming around 10 wins is going to get you into a playoff spot. That is our big 10 preview. We've gone quite a while on this one, but we had two of our teams within the conference and some question marks and some other spots that we wanted to discuss. Again, if you haven't listened to our ACC, SEC, uh, pack 12, big 12 previews, everything is out. This was the last uh, power five conference. The next week's going to be um, some covering of week zero games. We'll do our, champions draft we will give our playoff predictions and we'll just give our first real spiel into what the weekly pod is going to look like as the college football season creeps closer anything to close before we head out fellas shit's getting real it's getting real close it's getting really real play it (laughs) 